Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. My husband's missing listening to us again, nearly crying because she's such a little cutie. I've gone through at the home of representative that I'm driving at to the hall, so yeah. if they can't get the answers, how are the people going to get the answers? So you know how hard I work, and to get nothing at the end of it is very, very hard. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with P. Well, when they were here with me on Friday, they said they had a big guest lined up to launch the first morning of the show. I I didn't think it would be that big. Well done to Lorraine and Ross and Graham. Hey! Applause all round. Yeah, I I trust that you'll get an opportunity to listen back to that hour of mayhem between 8 and 9. If I can find out where and when, I will certainly let you know. Congratulations to Lorraine and Ross the morning on a big launch this morning. Special guest, special co-host, none other than... Graham Norton, great to see it and good luck for the future, you guys. 0818 96 96 96, the number. Text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. I would love to be able to continue in a jolly happy mood, seeing it's a beautiful morning out there, but unfortunately it has been a weekend of tragedy, um, both here and indeed uh, overseas. Um, with Cork connections overseas. But first, let's go to our news reporter, Maureen Tuig. There's been a murder over the weekend, Maureen. We've had a man charged with the murder of, of his wife in a house in Wilton. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, exactly. There was a special sitting yesterday morning, Sunday morning of Cork District Court where 41-year-old Regan Parathapra Rajan with an address at Cardinal Court in Wilton appeared. He was charged with the murder of his wife, Adipa Dinamani, and the body of 38-year-old Miss Dinamani was discovered at a house in Cardinal Court in Wilton on last Friday night. Now, in the, at the special sitting of the Cork District Court yesterday morning, Detective Garda Alan Johnson uh, told sitting that Mr. Rajan made no reply when the charge was put to him and uh, his solicitor Eddie Burke said that his client Mr. Rajan would uh, ask that he would receive appropriate medical treatment while in custody and he also said that Mr. Rajan had no means and he applied for legal aid as well both like granted by Judge Olin Kelleher who has remanded Mr. Rajan in custody. He's appearing now again uh, this coming Thursday the 20th of July via video link before court district court and that will be for the DPP directions. What do we know about the details here? I know it was uh, quite late at night this happened. 
It was. It was a Friday night last. Now, obviously, when it's before the courts, we have to be careful in what we say. But it was on Friday night uh, in Wilson in Cardinal Court where uh, the body of 38-year-old Stephen Dinamani was discovered. Uh, there was, you know, door-to-door inquiries, a guard, the investigation launched. And what we understand is that uh, Miss Dinamani is the mother of a five-year-old son who wasn't in the house at the time. But uh, that's what uh, was away with a friend. And it was when the friend went to to uh, call, call back to the house that the friend uh, came to realise what, what had happened here in Cardinal Court on Friday night. Now last night PJ there was a, a vigil, it was around 8 o'clock last night and it took place just a, 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 near the house where Miss Dina Manny was found on, on Friday night and about more than 150 people attended that candlelit vigil uh, last evening in memory of Miss Dina Manny. And uh, the vigil, it was organised by the Cork Pravati Malayali Association. It started, as I say, at eight o'clock outside the house where Miss Dina Mani was found on Friday night. And mm-hmm. the association said that the vigil, you know, was being organised to rally support for Miss Dina Mani and her family, her friends and her colleagues at this most devastating time. Uh, Ireland uh, took to, to Twitter and they said, you know, that Miss Dina Mani, she was 38, a, a chartered accountant living in Cork and mother to a five-year-old child and that, you know, she was killed in her own home on Friday evening um, and that they're just saying their thoughts are, are with her family, her friends and the community of Cork. She was working for a company up by the airport, I believe. She was, yeah, she was working for uh, Alter Domus up in the airport and uh, she was a chartered accountant with over a decade of experience and she began work as a, a senior manager in fund services in the Cork offices in April of this year but she was previously working uh, with Apex Fund Services in, in Bangalore in India and a, a graduate of the Institute of Chartered Accountants of India. They weren't here very long, Maureen. Uh, they were here, as far as I'm aware, since just uh, April of this year. So just yeah. a, a very short few months, PJ, yeah. yeah. Desperate tragedy. They have a little boy who I assume is being cared for now. Well, there is a, a family liaison officer appointed and the Department of Foreign Affairs and the Indian Embassy are making every effort to assist the family. You can imagine getting that phone call, you know, uh, so far across the world. Um, but as I say, a family liaison officer uh, is in place. Okay, and uh, the, the accused man... Her husband will appear in court again Thursday. On Thursday, and that will be uh, via video link from custody. And at that stage, uh, the DPP directions uh, should be available and we'll know the next steps in this case. All right, Maureen, thank you. It's it's sad that on yet another Monday morning, we're reporting on th- yet another death in, in our city, a uh, violent death, but uh, thinking of the family and all connected to uh, Deepa Dilmani. And her husband, Regin, charged with her murder. And follow-up would be during the week. Thank you, Maureen, for that. Now, further afield, you might remember back in May, I spoke to Fiona Horgan about her brother, Damien. Damien was in Vietnam. He was teaching English over there. And he had a motorcycle accident. And the tragic element of it was that the accident was very serious, left him with very severe injuries. But he was between jobs at the time. So his health insurance hadn't switched yet from one job to another. Therefore, the family had to raise money through a GoFundMe to try to cover costs, huge costs that were mounting for him as he lay in hospital with terrible injuries in, in Vietnam. Fiona is a nurse and she was just back 
when I spoke to her back in May and uh, things were touch and go to say the very, very least. Um, sad to report over the weekend that the death was announced of Damien Horgan. Uh, long battle against the injuries following that terrible crash, but sadly he succumbed to them uh, over the last number of days. To remind you of my conversation with uh, Fiona back in back in May. Fiona, tell me about your brother. Tell me about Damien. So Damien is number three of eight of us. He studied science in school, but he really, I suppose, kind of didn't settle well in Ireland. And he's been traveling for a long time now. Um, He was in South Korea for about nine years. He was in China for another couple of years teaching English. And he just really enjoyed that. Very interesting character. He's very intelligent. Um, Even one of his friends in Vietnam were telling us that that friend and Damon aren't allowed to be on the same team at table quizzes because they always win because <laughs> they're so smart. But yeah, he's just a very gentle soul. Like even another one of his friends was nearly giving out about him, saying, oh, his money, he's always giving it to everybody else. He's nearly too generous. And yeah, he's just a gentle soul. A gentle soul. The Dunneroyal blog on Facebook had a tribute to Damien over the weekend. And they say they learned a lot about community spirit in the wake of Damien's tragic accident. The outpouring of love and support was amazing. And uh, If love alone could have saved Damien, he would have been home safe a long time ago. Also, they referred to a community in Vietnam where Damien called it home that also showed tremendous kindness to him and the family. There are no words to ease the pain of Damien's family. We can only offer our support on the next difficult journey. And they wanted to thank everyone who donated to the GoFundMe, which gathered quite a significant amount of money at the time, and it was put towards his medical bills. Our thoughts are with the Horgans today, and everyone who knew the late Damien Horgan. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Thanks for all your nominations in the Cork's 96 FM Best of Cork Awards. Best of Cork Awards. Best of all is now. Now stay listening to hear who's made the shortlist. We'll announce the finalists this Wednesday from 6am. Then get voting for your favourite. Are you ready, ready for the lights? The Best of Cork Awards 23. The Best of Cork Awards 23. You're the best. Only on Cork's 96FM. We are watching these demonstrations, or so-called demonstrations, so-called peaceful protests every week at this point. There's not a day goes by now that someone doesn't drop a video into my messaging to to show me of the latest attack on ordinary people going about their jobs by by so-called peaceful protesters. We all know what they're going through down at the library and sadly still going through down at the library. There was a very sizable protest, of course, as you'll remember, a week and a bit ago now, it would have been last Friday week, a few hundred people turned up and great to see it. But those protests continuing, and I know the people who work in our library, living in fear of who's going to walk in that door with a camera shouting at them and, and, and just, you know, claiming to be acting in the public interest, whatever nonsense that's about. Then there was a most sinister turn in 
Kerry, the library in Tralee, in the middle of Kingdom Pride Week, there was a children's story time taking place in the library. And on this particular occasion, it got physical, where library staff were pushed, shoved and manhandled out of the way by one in particular of these of these characters. Kate, those people in the library, they're people you know. You live in Cork, but you're from Tralee. Uh, they're, they're people you know, and, and you were furious when you saw the way they were treated. Morning. Good morning. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I do think that that was the prime emotion at first, was just anger that such a, a peaceful and event based around such an important cause, you know, the cause of LGBT pride. Um, was disturbed by such, like, unnecessary hatred, I suppose, for want of a better way of phrasing it. Um, And possibly the most polite way I could phrase it. But um, I was just to see how the library staff were treated and to see how, um, thank God, the volunteers there managed to block the camera from the actual parents and children, but to see, you know, that there were parents there, there were children there who were being disturbed, um, who were just hoping to show up to their local library for a story time, you know? As you know, the staff in here in the City Library in Cork have been facing this for six months, but mm-hmm. there was a level of physicality involved in what happened in Tralee. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what's really frightening about kind of seeing the growth of this sort of thing as well. And I think to a certain extent, while there's kind of nothing being done about it, it's kind of almost being seen as an acceptable thing to them, I think. And I think that's what really empowers these sort of people is the... You know, there is now, it is nice to see the opposition, like the protests that happened in court last week and everything against it, and to see people come out against it and to stand up for the staff. But the more that these people are in, let think that it's, it's acceptable behaviour to go in and threaten and harass and even assault people, the, the more and more it endures, you know? We will, and we do, and we always do get messages in, well, are we not entitled to object to the content of a book? Mm-hmm. No one says you're not. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, I, you know, everyone is entitled to their opinion, even though I would, you know, have several questions as to whether it's an opinion when it's specifically LGBT content they're having sure, uh, sure, sure. an issue with. Um, but no one has any right to harass people over, the, you know, the sharing of what's basically art or what's a book. Um, no one has the right to harass anyone over that. No one has the right to make anyone feel uncomfortable because of their gender, their sexuality. Um, and absolutely no one has the right to, you know, harass people on a physical level or, you know, enact violence against them. I mean, what was happening in Tralee was the children's story time when you boil uh-huh. it down. And this yeah, was attacked so, by adults. Yes. So the event was a public event. It was for Kingdom Pride. Um, and it was a children's story time. Um, and it was with drag kings, actually, not drag queens, which is the main narrative that these protesters in highly inverted commas are going with, because I do believe it suits their narrative more to say drag queens, um, because it's the same narrative that's kind of being parroted in America, etc. Um, and it was a, a, a event where basically drag kings in dress up were reading to children. Um, and there were, you know, LGBT parents there. There were presumably, I, I don't know myself, but LGBT kids, I would imagine there. Um, there were toddlers and babies there, very, very young children. Um, and this group of adults came bursting into the room, shoving aside the people at the door, shoving aside volunteers, um, screaming very, very abusive things um, at those reading and at the children, um, which I can only imagine must have been very, very frightening, um, yeah. both for the volunteers, but also for those in attendance. Kate, it's still ongoing, unfortunately, at the library mm-hmm. here. There have been calls yeah. for council to do more. There have been calls for Gardaí to do more, what can be done? 
if they just arrive like that and start throwing their weight yeah. around and making videos? So I absolutely think that there needs to be, if you would ask me for my personal opinion, I do think that there needs to be more of kind of a, a clamp down on it from a public perspective in terms of both the council and the Guardi coming out in terms of, you know, condemning this sort of behaviour. Um, because I do feel that, like, while it does seem to be a relatively new phenomenon in Ireland to see this blatantly, people coming into bookshops, people coming into libraries and acting like this, um, unfortunately, that kind of hate speech is not a new phenomenon. Um, and it is often skirted around, but unfortunately, it does exist. Um, so I would say there absolutely does need to be work or action taken on behalf of the Guardian, on behalf of the Council. Um, but I would also say that people can very much speak up against it when they see it in their own day-to-day lives because this sort of thing does start inherently with hate speech and with discrimination um, and homophobia and transphobia Um, and I think it can't be underestimated enough how much even you know like if you're out with your mates and you hear someone make a a dodgy joke calling that out and saying you know that's not okay these are people that sort of thing I I don't Mm. think it can be underestimated how much of an impact that can have in the long term and in the bigger picture you know Mm. you'll also get the call and I can see it coming in as we speak, are we not entitled to a peaceful protest? This was not a peaceful protest. Yes, that was not, it was very, very much not a peaceful protest. And it was also very much, I would say, in terms of being a peaceful protest, I would raise the question of whether something that inherently comes from bigotry and hatred is ever a peaceful protest, because there are a lot of things raised in, you know, kind of the line you often hear is, oh, it's protecting the children, it's doing this, it's doing this, but that does inherently come from a place of, you know, anti-LGBT sentiment, anti, like, you know, anti-transgender sentiment, that sort of thing. My Um, observation would have been, Kate, you're protecting hmm. the children. Where under protecting the children comes attacking another adult because you disagree with them. Children learn what they see. So you're now Mm -hmm. showing children, if you disagree with another adult, you physically attack them. Yes, exactly. Like, it's a terrible message to be sending to children. And also just the message that you shouldn't accept people who may be different from you is an awful, awful message um, to send to children in any capacity, you know, especially in, in this scenario, like, you know, with violence, which I think is what has shocked so many people about this particular case. It went completely and totally over the top. Far more so, in fact, than anything that's happened in Cork. That level of physicality Mm. I found particularly horrifying. Yes, yeah. And it really goes from the kind of, you know, it's how that kind of mental intimidation or, you know, that was kind of happening in Cork City um, really can escalate so quickly. And I think that's what's so scary. Appreciate your call, Kate. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Peter. It was lovely to talk to you. Thank you. (laughs) Cheers. Yeah, I, I just looking at the particular video again uh, from Tralee. I watched it over the weekend again. And the way they broke into the room, an individual who was trying to guard the door, physically manhandled out of the way by a very well-known member of these agitating groups. And I'd say this out here now, and if he was on the phone to me, I'd say it to him, I'm not going to use his name, I'm not going to give him the dignity of publicity. But if you did that to my wife, or my daughter, or my son, or my cousin, or my sister, or anyone connected to me, I would sue you while there was suing left in you. You miserable, snivelling coward. Whoever you are. Whoever you think you are. John Marr, Councillor John Marr. It's still going on at the library. That's the sad part. It hasn't stopped downtown. Morning, John. Good morning, PJ. Um, no, look, it's it's still it still persists. 
Um, but I suppose I think the the positive thing that I would take from it though is that the level of support um, just Friday week that showed up um, outside our library in support of and, and, and I PJ it's very important is that like it's our library workers it's also our pharmacy workers some of the pharmacy workers that when we had nothing during COVID we only had our pharmacy workers our only go-to point the only place that was open they've been attacked our Garda have been attacked you know, ordinary workers in bookshops in Cork City have been attacked. So, so I think for anybody out there to, that, that is kind of listening on the show today and saying, oh, what is this? This is ordinary workers that are going into work, that have all the regular worries of life, like we all have, you know, pay the bills, the mortgage, look after the kids, and they just want to go about an honest day's work. And they're coming in and they're being harassed. They're being videoed. They're being called names. And no matter what this crowd say, they're entitled to protest, mm-hmm. but there's a type of protest. And, you know, I think, PGD, you know, the motion I brought forward to, to Cork City Council last Monday, which was, again, it's very rare where, where, where councillors, the 31 of us, come out and we're all in agreement and support of each other. But that was one of those moments, PJ, again, you know, because what they're doing is not right. If I put a fist up to your face, it's a threat. It's an intent to do something, and I would be I would be cautioned for doing so. But I can put a phone in your face, I can call your names, I can video it, and I can send it around social media just like that. I can do it on the premise, John, that I'm in a public place, and we need to squash that. Yeah, abs- absolutely, because and again, PG used the word a while ago. They're cowards. They're absolute cowards because if you look at the videos and unfortunately, as you said, I wake up and you find them in the various apps. It's a couple of people. Yeah. Now, as I said on Monday night, I'm out in the constituency most days. People are very, they're all entitled to come up and to talk to me and to ask me questions. And this crowd don't represent anyone that I know. No, unless people just aren't talking to me, I don't know. Can I ask you, John... The, the book in question, and I, I'm not going to name it. I've been sent the same PDFs as you have. I haven't actually read the book. I've just seen the PDFs. The book in question. Has anyone come up to you, John, on your walk around the place or in your constituency work and said, John, are you okay with that book? Has anyone done that? One person. Right. Well, PJ, and, and, and in, to be... Uh, what I would ask the protesters are people that have an opinion on something is that again I don't know how many books in the library 40,000 mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure PJ right and I'm open to correction on that but what I would ask the protesters is that have they held the other 39,999 books to the same standard that they're worried mm. and if they're so worried about the children then what the hell were they doing last week down in Kerry find the life out of them armed when they stormed a library with kids in it. Now, I can tell you one thing, PJ, you know, I wouldn't want that type of person near any kid that's belonged to me. No. They were terrified. Yeah. The children were terrified. Abs- absolutely. But, but, and to the maybe, to the, to the, your caller previously from Kerry, is that I suppose if they, if they remember that last, last Friday week here, we had hundreds of people come out and support. And I think that's that's the positive thing that I that that that, that I keep in my head, and um, you know that that the um, that that the people are in support, mm. and when when you're walking around and when you talk to people like like your listeners, you're allowed to have questions. 
Yeah. You're allowed to be concerned. You're, you're allowed, allowed to object to, to anything you want. We live in a democracy, but yeah, there's a way and a means, and that's not and, it. And you're allowed to be unsure of something, but we're also allowed to educate ourselves. We're, allowed, we're also allowed to meet people and chat to people that maybe we wouldn't have had conversations with before, you know, but that's allowed. Um, that's, that, that's life. That's democracy, as you said. Um, and, and I have to say, PJ, it was, um, it was really, really reassuring uh, last Monday night, uh, Monday week, that, that, that Cork City Council, we stood up, uh, we reaffirmed our support um, for, for workers. Um, and our commitment to make safer working environments for people. Mm. We reaffirmed our commitment and support and solidarity to members of the LGBT plus community um, and to the organisations throughout Cork because the motion that I put forward, PJ, it wasn't just John Maher and his motion. It was worked, it was thought about very clearly. It was thought about with workers in mind and with all the organisations um, link the interagency group um, the Gay Project, um, members, you know, straight members and members from the community. It was a really, really, um, it, was a, it was a really wide motion um, so that we did the right thing. Mm. You, know, and you called on Gardaí and, and management in Anglesey Street, Gardaí management in Anglesey Street to, to be more proactive in handling things like this. How could they improve what they've been doing? I suppose, PJ, I did. And and the reason I did that is that um, we would say Thursday week ago, there was protesters who protested at at an event about NATO and they were forcibly removed. And in my own head, I said, I can't understand... This was in the university now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, in UCC. And, And the irony was that that was Thursday and those people were removed, physically removed. And however, then on the weekend, we had this crowd again, shouting what they wanted, videoing what they wanted, doing what they wanted. And they were, I, my, my um, explanation of it, they were kind of, they were given a lot more grace. And I think what's good for the goose is good for the gander, you know. Mm. Um, you know they, their, their argument would be, John, and you know what it would be without me repeating it to you. We're in a public place. We're public. We're, we're taxpayers. This is our space and we can film who we want. Again, uh, PJ, I, I, I'd question the taxpayers thing, but anyway, um, that's probably that's a personal <laughs> Let's thing. Let you do and that, not me. <laughs> I absolutely, yeah, I've no fear. Um, I've no fear, but um, no, it, 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 this is what we need to do. And, and obviously, from a legislation point of view, this is something that needs to be tackled. But I'm going to call it out. No matter what legislation they showed at us, they're a bunch of cowards and they're wrong. You cannot video someone against their own will. It is bully boy, bully girl tactics, and it isn't right. And I think that's fundamental. And you're doing that in no one's name, only your own stupid agenda for your selfish reasons. And the minute you put your hand on someone, like happened down in Tralee, you've crossed a line. Yeah. And that's, 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 let's be honest, PJ, that's their motivation. They want to try out, you know, and people are emotive. And when you're saying things and when you're videoing someone, you're crossing a line. You know, so that can, that can, um, it can create a reaction. Let's be honest, we're all human. No, I mean the attempt, and you've seen it, John, the the attempt to, they did physically throw someone off a door. Oh, did? Because, as I said, they're not worried about the children. They're not worried about greater society. They just have this stupid agenda. And as I said, have they held every other book in any public space 
to the same standards that they're on about. They I doubt it. John, please, if you're talking to any of the library workers, we, we did have a reporter, Katie was down there, as you know, the library workers were too terrified to speak to anybody. It's hard to blame them. But please, if you are talking to them, please convey the solidarity of myself and my team to them, please. And everybody here at 96am. Uh, no, uh, PJ, absolutely, I will. And I, and I, I just think, again, I, I finished, I always try and finish on hope, but I go back to that Friday when you saw the people come together and the library staff saw that, you know, they they did did see that and I will pass on um, I will pass on your solidarity and support because it's important and again, if anyone else is out there and you're in your own town or your local library just pop in, you know, it's a simple gesture, just pop in to say thank you and, you know, they do appreciate it and and I will pass that on. All right, John, thank you, Labour Councillor John Maher 0818 John in Cove says Okay, I think all these protests are down to the Taoiseach we have in charge of our country. He's created a lot of change and people are just wondering why he isn't talking about everyday problems. All right, John, I don't quite get what you're saying, but you're entitled to say it. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Come here. I'd love to know. And by the way, if anybody is listening to us on holidays, WhatsApp is free from anywhere in the world. So... Send me a message. I got a message over the weekend from a pal of mine who's living and working in Lanzarote for the last four or five years, and he was telling me that it got really hot out there last week. Uh, the, the famous wind dropped for a few hours. There's always a little wind in Lanzarote. Wind dropped. It baked for about a half a day. And now it's grand. It's back to about 30 degrees, and the breeze is back and very nice. But it seems to be fierce hot in all the places you'd normally go. Is it fierce hot? If you're out there, is it fierce hot or is it as hot as it normally gets in the summer? Uh, I know Greece, I've been in Greece, Greece can get up to the high 30s on a, on a bad day. Um, I've been in Alicante, Lazenia, all those places, they can get very hot. Majorca, I can remember, I remember, it being, I remember it being 37 in Majorca nearly 10 years ago when I was there. I remember it in Mojaca, if you've been to Mojaca, which is down there on the Spanish mainland and is right at the edge of a desert, I can remember doing a fortnight in Mojaca with the kids when they were small in a place called Pueblo Endalo. Loads of Cork people used to go there. You might remember it. I remember being there and it was regularly 40, 41 degrees in the afternoon. What would we do? We'd go in out of it. And why would we go in out of it? <laughs> the simple reason is that the tiles around the swimming pool were too hot to walk on. You know, um, they're telling us here now that holiday bookings to European destinations have slowed with Irish tourists delaying last-minute trips as Europe braces for even higher temperatures. Europe preparing for a severe heat storm. A second heat wave expects to make conditions more difficult. Now, Rome, 43 Celsius in Rome, that's hot. That's very hot. And you could be looking at 48 degrees in Sicily or Sardinia. That's that's seriously hot. So it is. The Click and Go Holiday Company, Paul Hackett's the gaffer there, he said they haven't had any cancellations, but bookings have slowed on last-minute holidays, which is interesting. Cities are worst affected, he said. Cities are worst affected. In fact, I was talking to my dentist on Saturday, and he was saying he'd been to Valencia on his holidays. Uh, earlier in the summer and he said just at the time he was finishing his fortnight away it was starting to get uh, 
particularly hot in, in Valencia. 0818 96 96 96. John, on, on protests. Now, you're a man who ta- has taken part in your fair share of protests. I've never seen you become violent or aggressive, nor would I expect to. Good morning. No. Good morning to you. No, I don't believe in any violent protests whatsoever. But in any protest, PJ, no matter what it's about, right, somebody's going to get discommoded, right, for the simple reason that's why the protest is there in the first place, because there's a grievance perceived to be there by somebody who's carrying out the protest, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the thing is, I will be totally against anything violent, don't care that. No, last Friday week, two weeks ago, they had that protest outside the library by the workers. You had uh, the people from LGBTQ, the whole lot there. You had Mick Barry's code, the Sinn Féin were there. And I spoke uh, at the opposing uh, rally that was there. Now, there was only maybe 40 people there, but still, they asked me to speak there. But I said that this was not against LGBTQ, gay people, whatever. This was not against the library staff. This was concerned about this type of literature was going to schools and going into libraries. It was about the children. It was not about workers. It was not about LGBTQ or whatever. And that's my main If point. it was about the children, why were the children allowed to be petrified, scared in Tralee? Well, I, I haven't seen any of the footage of Tralee. Well, I have, though. John, and I'm sure you... I'm, I, I'm surprised you haven't because it's been everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get a chance. Would, would, you, would, you, would, you, would you endorse that? No, Physically shoving to, someone off a doorway no, no, and charging no, 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 into a room for the no, children? No, no, not in a million years. Not okay. in a million what years about filming people, that. John? Well, again, I know, no, John Mal was on there. No, John Mal wanted to look a bit closer to home because they caused the ultimate protest, which was the water charges in the middle of all John, the... Let's, let's forget the water charges. What about filming people in their place of work? Um... Yeah, in a public place, yeah, there's, there's no... Look, you need their I consent get, still? Well, wait a while, I don't, I don't give my consent to be filmed when I get on a bus, when I go into the sh- our shop, when I walk down the street. I'm, cons- I'm filmed everywhere I go every Not day. aggressively, John? No, but I mean, like, I never get permission. But not aggressively? Well, what's aggressive? Look at the videos. Yeah, if you're talking about someone having a phone, like, you mean, up like, you mean, if you're going to... And you, you see, Why would you but, film someone whose decision it wasn't to display the book? This is my favourite question for everyone. And I, one of the protesters actually began to think about it in an earlier interview I did. Why mm-hmm. would you take out a telephone and start filming and cross-questioning someone whose decision it wasn't, had nothing to do with them, to display that book? Yeah, the decision know, was made upstairs by their superiors. Of course, yeah, and of course the ultimate was made by the ministers. And I'll tell you why, be... they're a soft target, John. Well, you see, look, again, when people take out phones and the, the girls are going to be getting body cams, which I've no real problem with, like, providing their views properly. Oh, bloody time. Well, what, you, what, you, what, what you're going to see, see happen then, the minute the guard appears, the phone is automatically going to come out in for me or anyone else to film the guard. That's not what I'm talking minutes. about, John. You I'm know? talking about filming people, and I don't know whether you've done it. I'm talking no, about. No, fi- I've, I've never seen the need to do it myself. Okay. I'm talking right? about filming people in their workplace when they don't want to be filmed about something they'd nothing to do with. Well, what about the water charges? And, sh- and forget the water charges; they're over and but done. But you can't forget about. Cut- they're done, John. I'm not. I'm not prepared to talk about the water charges. That's ancient history. You, you don't want to talk about it. It's ancient history, John. 
We're talking no, about your, today's issue, no, not the water charges. Hang on a second. You were the man on the representing the Labour Party who brought Don't mind it. I don't care. He was representing John Maher this morning. He knows he's representing the John, Labour if you're, Party. If you're, going to, if you're going to go on about the water charges, we're wasting our time here. I want to know why it's okay to walk into the library and start filming someone and cross-question them aggressively for something they had nothing to do with. For the, for the simple reason, like people are concerned about what's going in. To the, to but the, they didn't the, put it there, John. We know that, but... So, it, so go, go and make the, the complaint where it'll... Where, no, 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 you're, you're missing the point. The I'm not missing the point, I'm making the point. The po- the po- but you see, can you... Can, can they're low-hanging fruit and they're a soft target. No, well, well you're, you're getting too... Like, talk about aggression, I mean, man, you're showing savage aggression here towards me this morning. Oh, can Jesus. You pull back? No, can you pull back a smile? All right, never... let, OK, make your, make your case for filming someone who's nothing to do with the decision. Yeah, yeah, we'll just scan down a second old for all those right? Careful, no, John. Don't be getting cross. Don't no, getting not getting crossed. Since you're getting crossed, you're the one that's, that's getting all excited. If you're going to and you film somewhere, right, and if you have a grievance about going in somewhere, and you take out your phone, that is part of the protest that brings you there in the first place. It's not against the actual staff. It's just to make the point that there's something wrong that brought the protesters there in the first place. They have a grievance, and they take out the phone, uh, obviously for their own protection as well. No, I'm totally against anyone, as I said. How is it for names. their own protection? Because they want to record what actually was happening. Because, I mean, some could, look, if the guards come in, and if the library staff, I'm not saying they would do this, but if they said, so-and-so pushed me, so-and-so did this, backed up by one or two more, I mean, who's going to say what in and who, who did what? Or the guards weren't there when it happened. Like, so this is why the people pull out their phones, for their own sakes and for everyone else's sake. Against young women. Young you're, women you're, are so terrifying behind the counter. Hold on. No, Anne. it's not. Anne, Long hang on, John. Anne, go on, John. Go on, um, I can't understand why he just has, will not answer the question. Was it right or was it wrong what they did to those people in Tralee the other day? I haven't it's seen that footage, so I can't comment on it. No, if there was... John, that's a politician's answer. It's not a politician's answer. Jesus, what is that with you this morning, man? They're gone. We're talking about what happened to those people in Trilly the other day. The children, the women, and even in Cork, in the library. They're frightening the life out of them, and they don't give a sugar. Yeah, and what, have you any problem with the politicians that are now making decisions now against the will of a lot of parents, right, at the moment that, that the type of stuff that's going into libraries and into schools against the wishes of parents? Yeah, but where are the parents? I can't see any parents of children demonstrating. I can see hooligans, elderly men that are frightening the heart out of these people that don't have nothing to do with it. They don't put the books into the libraries. They're but working you, there. But that's where the books are. That's what's bringing the processes in the first place. There is no point to go up to Dublin and, and standing outside an empty building on a Saturday, which I would never do because there's no point. What would you do if your grandchildren were in there the other day? Getting doesn't matter if it is Mickey Mouse they're reading. And these elderly big joints come in and frighten the heart out of them. Well, look, again, as I said at the start, I haven't seen that. But if there was children present there, right, and they came in there then, and the children were intimidated, that was wrong. They shouldn't have been done when the children were actually present. Thank you very much. And that's all you had to say well ago. But you beat around the bush with no, the water. I didn't beat around the bush. I didn't. PJ got out the wrong side of bed this morning and attacked me. <laughs> and they did not care. 
But have you any have you any concern about the stuff that's going into libraries and schools? What I'm on about now is these bullies. No, I'm asking you a question. You asked, I answered the question. Can you just answer this question, please? Have you any concern? No. I know your parent or your grandmother or what. Uh, have you any concern about the type of stuff that's going, you know, against the wishes of a lot of parents into libraries and into schools? Have you any concern about that? Right. What about the parents that don't mind what's there, that are going along with I'm it? I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about have, have you any concern personally yourself? Well, I suppose if there were my children and I was involved with it, maybe I would look at it. But at the same time, I'm coming back to why they can't do it without frightening people. I agree with you not to be frightening children and totally against that. Like, but that's, if people, my, if people want to go in and if, and if they want to go in and protest, I mean, me some, somebody like, I mean, charges and phones and everything else. It's the children, the women. Would you like it if it was your daughter was working in that library and this big brute came in? Who did he think he was? And well, blew everyone out of the way. Well, again, as I said, I don't believe in any, in any aggression. I've never used any violence. I've never cost in anyone. No, to be fair, John, you haven't. To be fair, you no. haven't. And I'll, I'll, no, I'll, I'll grant you that. I'm no, not saying no. he has. But what I'm saying is it is not right to frighten people like that. I agree with you. I, I, I'm totally against frightening children, and there's no way with it. If, if I was present when that happened, I would I would say to the people involved, listen, just children here, no lads, come yeah. on. Yeah, you know? but they're not doing that. Yeah. You have a but, different perspective that way. But they didn't give a damn the other day when they burst in there. Nothing. They didn't care. It's yeah, their but, bullying, and they want this. They want this, and they want that. But you see, the trouble is, PJ, like, I mean, what, what's happening now there? If you have an alternative view on anything, no, you're labelled as the far right. Nonsense, or you're John. Home, That's you're nonsense. homophobic That's nonsense. or you're whatever, you know? That's nonsense. No, it's not. Nonsense, but, nonsense, like, but you see what's happening at the moment, like, I mean, Helen McEntee, like, there, there's enough problems in the country now with mental health, physical health, everything else, housing, the whole lot. And they're fixated before their roles you now for the Somalis on hate speech. Well, if when it stops people being manhandled in their place of work, I'm all for it. Yeah, but, um, yeah, but just, uh, why are they so fixated on hate speech, like, and everything else? I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot there's of it out there, John. Of, they, there's not even enough cows, I mean, on the street to protect the people. And them children and women the other day. And they didn't There's not even enough cows to protect us, no, in the streets, no. All right, I'm going to leave it there for now. John and Anne, thank you both. Um, <laughs> thanks. Oh, it won eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Why was I getting a bit cross with John? I was getting a bit cross with John because he was going back over ancient history, and there was no place for it here. That's why I was getting a bit cross with John. Oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cost 96 FM. Right. Well, that started something. Uh, John and I will never fall out unless he starts reopening the pages of old history. That's where I got annoyed with him. Just in case anyone is thinking otherwise. But that's why. Uh, PJ, I'd appreciate that the following questions could be answered. Do you think it's appropriate to teach kids about things like oral sex? Why the big push to teach kids about LGBTQ ideology? 
Why do these people not offer to help out at a care home or homeless shelter or pick up litter? Why are they only interested in reading to kids? <clears throat> I'm not qualified to answer question number one, Kieran. Question number two, I don't particularly see a push on. Question number three is a, que- is, is a question to be addressed to the people that you're talking about. Margaret says, John, we want a reality check. He's bringing things, other things into the conversation easily known he doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, that's, well, I'm a non-practicing Catholic. What if I protested at people taking the Bible out? Because I don't believe it anymore. Get a life, says John. Noel says you're being aggressive with John. I got cross with John because he's kept going back to ancient history. Like all tweets and articles, etc. about this issue, uh, you studiously avoid the contents of the book which is the actual issue here, says Joseph. Joseph, I have seen the content of the book. I've been sent enough of it now to have practically read it, even though I haven't. My, my comment is the same and always. The people who are subjected to these protests on the reception desk at Cork City Library did not make the decision to put that book on the shelves. They're, they're being made, they're, they're taking heat for, somebody, for a decision they didn't make. You object to the content of the book, you're fully entitled to object to the content of the book. Am I hearing right? I bet you won't read this. You know, by the way, one thing to make sure that I'll read your text is tell me, I bet you won't read this. Am I hearing right? I saw that video down in Kerry. What they were doing to those kids was abuse. I was sick when I saw it, and you're saying it's okay. What if those kids didn't want to be in the room? Then it's child abuse. Well, the video down in Kerry didn't show any children. In fact, the staff of the library studiously avoided the children getting on camera, which was a great thing to protect. They protected the children from the protesters. So I don't know where you saw pictures of children, but anyway. Darren, they're intimidating young women, and that's wrong. PJ, why don't the LGBT people go into old folks' homes and read books and newspapers to old people? Why the absolute fascination with children? I agree with the protesters, but not their tactics. People are concerned that this is the thin end of the wedge. Age of consent being lowered or abolished. Cheers, Tom, says Blarney Street, in Blarney Street. No evidence of that that ever was, Tom. Uh, caller says, here's something new. Uh, oh, yeah. Caller says, I work in, oh, this is connected. Caller says, I work in the motor business. And I want to remind everyone that it says in, for example, the NCT, that if you want the test done, you must detach the dash cam because the workers deserve their privacy. And this is a concept that will be common in all jobs. It's not rocket science. I didn't know that. I've never seen that. If you have a dash cam, and so many cars have now, if you have a dash cam and you're going for NCT, you must disconnect the dash cam before it goes in to be tested. I think that's only dead right. Only dead right. 0818 96 96 96. Why weren't the Muppets protesting against the extreme violence in children's books? Ever read Tom and Jerry and the Roadrunner? Says Frank. Yeah, I, I do remember that, Frank. Tom and Jerry used to watch it as a child. I'd still watch it today if I got a copy of it on video. But people used to say, oh, that's terrible violence. Would you go, hey, it's a cartoon. 0818 96 96 96. Now, I didn't see the tennis yesterday. I'm disappointed I didn't because it was a hell of a match. I saw some highlights last night, but I didn't watch the match live. So the only clips I saw were of the, the win and the, the young lad. There's a great headline, actually, 
in one of the uh, papers today, Goat beaten by the kid, which I thought was really good. Novak Djokovic, up till yesterday I was a fan, but not anymore. No mention of him smashing his racket off the net beam. Zero mention of a kid's role model behaving like an absolute scumbag. Why has nobody mentioned this? The man has over 20 grand slams and he still did this. Aggressive, violent behaviour in front of tens of millions of people. And after the match, he arrogantly threw his smashed racket to the fans. If he threw it at me, I'd fire it back at the thug. Shameful behaviour and no mention in news is what is bizarre. Thanks, Noel. Noel, I, I can honestly say I saw a half a second of that on my Twitter feed last night and I thought, for goodness sake now, hopefully he... And he should have been disciplined by the referee or the umpire for that. I don't know whether he was. 0818-969696. Come here. Nominations have closed for the Best of Cork Awards. We will now throw the whole lot into a big computer that has steam coming out of it. And on Wednesday, we'll give you the shortlists. We'll start announcing the shortlists from 6am Wednesday. And then you get a chance to vote. So you've had your chance to nominate for the Best of Cork Awards 2023. Nominations are now closed. Next operation is we will finalise the shortlists and we will announce them on Wednesday. The Best of Cork Awards 2023, only on Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 9696 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96 FM. Uh, Catherine sent me a long message about the heat. She remembers heat in Morocco. Savage heat in Morocco. I remember being in India, Catherine, and it was 51 and there wasn't a beach or a swimming pool to be seen. 51 degrees and bone dry. Uh, so I know what it's like. <laughs> I'll read your message in a minute, though. 0818 96 96 96, the number, the text or WhatsApp, 083 396 96 96, and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. We'd love to get your voice notes as well on the WhatsApp number, particularly if you're listening to us overseas. I'd love to know if anyone is listening to us outside the country in one of these places that is reportedly savage hot at the moment. Just what is it actually like? Uh, I know I was talking to, was it Paula last week? Or Pauline from Yum Yums in Lanzarote and she was looking for crisps. I, I wonder, did she get many brought out over the weekend on the various flights? She was looking for multi-packs of Tato crisps to drop down to her at Yum Yums Cafe on the Avenida there in, in Lanzarote near the San Antonio... <laughs> hotel but um, she, she was saying that it had been really really hot but the breeze was your saviour and I also heard from my old pal who used to manage the Rochestown Inn, Julian Fair Julian and his partner and their young daughter are out there now with, with a few years living and working and he was saying to me at the weekend very very hot it had been but it dropped back um, to a more normal temperature so it is hot in places, but if you are by a pool and you, uh, it's more noticeable than ever. Give me a, send me a message. Oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Far more serious things. Over the years, we've had situations where a person 
is convicted of a sexual crime. And before sentence is handed down, character references or character endorsements are made. There was one particularly memorable occasion or memorable for all the wrong reasons is probably the best way. Down in Kerry, I recall where a convicted man, there was a a queue up the middle of the courtroom to shake his hand, which I thought was repulsive in the extreme. We've had it over the years, people giving character references. Uh, There's a new law going through at the moment called the Sexual Offences and Human Trafficking Bill of 2023, which will make it... Mary Quilly from the Sexual Violence Centre, people will still be able to give character references, but they'll need me to be more careful about it. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, They will, and I think they'll have to, you know, swear under oath about it, and they'll have to come into court, and they'll have to be named. Um, It'll be far more visible, I think. Like, I know that case in Kerry, which is appalling, but there's also one in Cork last year where a mother and son, the son, had been raped by the has been convicted of rape of when he was between the ages of 9 and 11 and the mother had been abused for many years you know from this man he had 11 character references from friends from neighbours and the most things they said about him was what a wonderful father he was and all the family kind of basically said that they were locked up they were abused kind of constantly once that man was in the house and these people decide that they know better than 12 good Cork people who have found this man guilty and bring in character references mm-hmm. and like I'm sick and tired of the kind of what I didn't know the full story when I gave it and I don't know really what happened but I know him from coming into the pub I know him from his workplace and I think people forget that the abusers charm everybody around them and groom everybody around them not just the victims and I just feel like how dare you put yourself in that position where you feel you know more than anybody else and you give a character reference because they do know the character references for somebody who's convicted of rape or sexual abuse so I really welcome this because it's been one for years that I've been in court with, as you have, with victims who yeah. are heartbroken when they see their neighbours, when they see the people in their club they might be involved in or the chairperson of the club they're involved in, who they might be fond of standing up for this person. I it's must say, I've, I've sat there in, in court in the press box and we never identify a case here, obviously. But I do remember one particularly grievous assault conviction we were waiting for sentence and people started coming into the witness box or handing in these references. And I'm thinking, have you been listening to what this guy did to that poor misfortunate child? Have you been even exactly, listening? Exactly. Or does it even matter to and you? I- and I don't think it does. And I found in more recent years, they were handed in. You know, the, the people weren't even there in the court to hear the trial, but they had handed these in, prepared them, signed them, dated them, make sure they got there in time after he was found guilty. You'd so have to wonder exactly why you'd do that. What was happening. You'd have to wonder why you would do that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, people look at victims. Is there, is there a, a victim who you feel sorry for? Is there a victim that you feel is a victim? If you have a woman with children barely coping and the man may be strutting around as kind of a really good guy and he's putting himself out there as kind of, you've no idea how difficult it is for me in that house. I'm trying to keep everything together, but he's controlling and abusing them. So people sometimes allow themselves, you know, get groomed by these men. But I think we all have to stand back and say, 
a jury has found somebody guilty, who are we? It's going back to ancient days where it was usually somebody really well known in the community or respected in the community who would hand their character references and that's still the same. How many people have we seen over the years, Mary, convicted of terrible things who were, to use that expression, pillars of the community? It's because they hide in plain sight and they're very good at hiding. Absolutely, and they're the very people that will have amazing character references. It's like, you know, people could even even think about it. If somebody has been convicted of a sexual crime, of raping a child, and that young boy was only 9 to 11 when he was raped by this man, and you can say, how could anybody being convicted of rape be a good character? Maybe he can charm people around him, but how is that a good character? Because the majority of men out there listening are appalled and sickened when they hear this kind of stuff. No. I guess it is part of the sentencing process and people are entitled, the convicted person is entitled to have references brought to court. You can't take that right away from them. No, but I think the people who give the character references need to come into court and need to stand up mm. and be named and to swear about it. I think that will kind of soften their cough a bit. But I see this it's law might allow them to be cross-examined, will it, Mary? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, how well they know them and why they're saying this. I think it'll just make people think twice, really, really make them think twice. If somebody is standing up in court and somebody is in front of them saying this man has been convicted of rape or of raping a child. And what are you saying about his character? I think it'll just make people think twice because the victim doesn't have the same opportunity of getting people up saying she's of good character and you know she's led a good life and this has changed everything for her she's not allowed that she gets a victim impact statement which just talks about the impact the rape has had on her or been abused as a child has had on her but nothing about her good character and she's already been cross-questioned during the trial she's already gone through hell and earth sometimes in court so I do welcome it. I do. And I think, in fairness to Helen McEntee, I think when she says she'll do something, she does it. Yeah. Well, certainly the stalking legislation we've seen of late and, and all those other things, she's certainly trying to leave a mark on it. But this will mean that if, if I, not that I ever would, Mary, you know me better, if I was asked to submit a character reference for someone who'd done something like this, I, I need to be prepared to go into court and be cross-examined on the content of it. Yes, and you need to do it under oath, whereas up to this, letters are just handed in, yeah. you know, to the to his barrister, just handed in, and he gathers and gathers. Like that one last year, I think everybody was shocked by the extent of the number of character references this guy managed to gather, 11 from family, friends, mm. neighbours, people who thought he was a great guy, because I'm sure yeah. he strutted around and appeared like that. There's a couple of cases that come to mind here. Kathleen Lynch found herself in hot water uh, a few years ago. I, rem- I remember that well. I remember you know, that well. Um, as she's played a character reference. And that was back in 2008. And Donalo Cusack, I'd forgotten this one. He resigned from his job as a coach after it was revealed he gave a character reference to a convicted abuser. Tom Humphreys. Now, when we found the... And I was a massive fan of Tom Humphreys as a sports writer. But when I found out the egregious things he was up to, I threw out his books put them out in the bin. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but... but, 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 but yeah, I'd be the same. I'd but, be the same. And I think we... It's not good enough that we kind of, um, you know, put our head in the sand and say, well, we weren't aware of these situations and we just know him um, as he appears to us. Mm. That's not good enough. But, but he, like, as I said at the time, I remember this case, Tom Humphreys wrote one of the best sports books I have ever read in my entire life. I threw it out. 
You know, I wouldn't have so it in my way. Yeah, but Donalog gave him gave Donalog Cusack gave him a carry reference. He resigned as senior hurling coach and then stepped down from the board of Sport Ireland. This was in 2017. You'd wonder why people. And like do you say, that. exactly. I mean, who do who do they think they are? Maybe it's under a small bit of pressure, but um, I think this will change things. Where they might have been under pressure before, they handed the letter in. Very often they weren't named in court. It was just we have these character references, but now they need to stand up and be counted, which is going to make a big difference, I think. All right. Mary, thank you very much, Mary Quilly of the Sexual Violence Centre, www.sexualviolence.ie. They have a helpline number, which as always doesn't come straight to my mind. You might throw it up there for me, lads, if you can, and I'll do it. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 yeah, that free phone number, 1-800-496-496 to contact the Sexual Violence Centre. Two things over the weekend, just before I move on, that kind of had me with my head in my hands on the state of social media. Um, I, I don't know if you agree with me here. That ter- terrible accident at the Sligo Stages rally, um, when it went up on social media last evening, the guards actually asked people not to share footage, not to share video, not to share pictures. Like, the fact that they have to do that, I just thought, God almighty, this was a horrific crash and two people died. And the guards had to ask people not to share stuff on social media about it. There's another one that happened at the Tour de France This was in stage 15 of the Tour de France, which was 179 kilometres. I'd be hard-pressed to drive it, let alone cycle it without a brake. Some idiot stepped out into the road, stepped out into the road in front of the cyclists to take a flipping selfie, presumably to put it up on their gram or something. What happened? They caused a crash. They brought down about 20 riders in a big pile-up. Thankfully, no, nobody was injured and they all managed to finish the finish the um, the stage. But, like, give us a break here. <laughs> oh, what's gone wrong with us, lads? 0818 96 96 96. Now, we're reading about this last week and I was very pleased to read it. You may recall the case of Mick Ryan... He was an international aid worker. He was an engineer. He travelled the world three or four times, bringing aid and engineering expertise to some of the poorest people in the world. He was killed in 2019 in the crash of a Boeing 737 MAX, a plane that was subsequently grounded and taken out of the sky. He and 156 other people died. Uh, Mick, of course, is from Cork, the humanitarian aid worker. And from that day to this, Mick's widow, Nisha, who I spoke to not long after he died, had been looking for justice for Mick. And there was an inquest in Britain last week which found that three British citizens 
died in that crash were unlawfully killed. The plane should never have been in the air and therefore they were unlawfully killed. The inquest said that Boeing had been playing Russian roulette with people's lives by allowing a plane which had a blatant design flaw to fly. Because five months before that, there'd been another identical crash. And the three British people, Joanna Toole, Samuel Pegram and Oliver Vick, the judge ruled they were unlawfully killed. Very good news, uh, Nisha. Uh, it, yes, it's a British case, but still very good news. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, it is a UK win, but it, we really feel this this represents every single person on board that, that plane, that it was an unlawful killing. We're just very happy with this news, and it really feels like the first time, for the first time, a justice system has, has come out um, and there has been a proper inquest. You know, there has been justice in, in this verdict. The simple fact here is that plane should never have been in the air. Absolutely not. This was the second crash after five months with the same problems, the same defects. And they knew and they were prepared to go a third time if, if necessary, because after the second crash, they still claimed that the planes were safe. America was the last country to ground the planes. Europe, uh, global, globally, all the countries were, were grounding these planes. They were flying, you know, in nearly every country in the world. They were grounding them. The US were the last to ground them because Boeing and their executives were coming out and saying these planes were safe. You've campaigned virtually since the day Mick died for justice for him. What what form would justice take, Nisha, if it were delivered? It, there has to be prosecutions for manslaughter. Uh, the truth has to come out. You know, there's so much more about this that people don't know. There is information that came out that that we can't even share because there's a sealing order. Boeing got a sealing order very quickly on our cases so that no information could, could, that was discovered. So am I hearing you correctly, Nisha? You have information to hand in writing in your possession that stacks up the case for justice for Mick and for the others. And you can't share that with me or anybody else. We can't share it with anyone and if we reveal this information, or if our lawyers, you know, reveal the information to the media, they could end up in jail for anything up to two to five years. They go to jail, but that, Boeing go free. That's just mad. Now, there is this sweetheart deal that Boeing had with the Trump administration, protecting it from prosecution. That deal is still in existence. On the back of this inquest, it needs to be torn up. Absolutely, and that's what we want to see happening, and that's what we're fighting for in the courts at the moment. Last year, court acknowledged that we were indeed crime victims, and now we're we're fighting in the courts to have this DPA torn up because it gave immunity to Boeing against prosecution. This prevents anyone from being held to account for for the death of your husband, your, your children's father. You wrote a letter, an open letter to Joe Biden when he was here. You were hoping to meet him. I don't think you did. But you've appealed to President Biden to tear up this agreement. Yeah. um, So I wrote an open letter. Uh, As you say, I didn't get to meet him. He had a very packed schedule, I I was told, while he was here. But I do know he was given the letter 
and I had a specific request for him in that letter. I wanted him to support us. I, I laid out as briefly as I could our, 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 our cause, our campaign, who Mick was, and how important this was for justice. And I asked for his assistance to basically help us lift the ceiling order, which is something he can do as President of the United States. He can't interfere with the justice system, but there are things he can do. And it would, you know, bring justice a lot further than where it is at the moment, because where it is at the moment, we do not see it as justice. Lastly, how are you? When we talked a few years ago, you you were broken, shattered. How are you now? It's a, it's a good question, PJ. It, it's hard to know because you try and, and carry on um, as best you can, but there's always the hurt. You're always carrying this. I have two young kids and, I, and life has to go on for them, but they've lost their father and they've lost an incredible man and we've all lost an incredible person in our lives and that's something you just don't get over. And he could be alive and well if that plane yeah. had never been allowed to take off. I think that must be the hardest thing for you to live with. It's, it's an injustice. Nisha, good talking to you again. Thank you. Thanks, PJ. Cheers and good luck with the, the rest of your, of your campaign. 0818 96 96 96. Uh, just back to protests <clears throat> in libraries and our earlier conversation, which, okay, I admit, might have got a bit shouty, myself and John. Uh, fair, fair juice to PJ. I think John doesn't like people talking up to him. I was only listening to John. He put me in a bad mood, says Margaret. Antoinette, the book isn't on the shelves in bookshops. Katie had to ask for it at the counter in Waterstones. They have them in the back of the shop. So maybe that's down to protests, Antoinette. Uh, could well be. I know there were protests in bookshops as well. Morning, PJ. I have a family member in the library, and it's absolutely awful when these people arrive. The staff can't do anything. Just try to ask them to leave. But they have phones shoved into their faces and people shouting at them. Why do people have to work in these conditions? Finbar says a lot of these lads, PJ, have lost their way in life. They're now fixated on banning literature because it gives them a purpose. It's rotten. They should do a force scheme and fit up their time a bit. Says Finbar, a force scheme. God, I haven't heard that expression in a while. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. If you're thinking of cutting your lawn on a Sunday, I did yesterday, got away with it just before the rain, or if you have one of these little robot lawnmowers, yeah, the Joy Police are after you. Yeah, Alan Titchmarch, of whom you'd have heard, BBC celebrity gardener. He's after starting a conversation in the UK where he reckons that you shouldn't be cutting your garden or strimming your hedge or trimming anything on a Sunday. He believes that you shouldn't mow the... Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. On, on a Sunday, that whatever day of the week you decide to mow that on, Sunday should not be it. Because he said we all deserve one day in the week where we are guaranteed peace and quiet. There was a survey they did. There was a, a DIY chain called Tool Station did a big survey across the UK. And they asked people about cutting the lawn, strimming the hedge. And some people, <laughs> some of the results were interesting. 10% of people figured it was okay to start cutting your hedge before 8 in the morning. I'm sorry, I'd be out to you. I'd be out to you. You cut your grass or you strim your hedge or you take out any kind of a cutting device. In my house anyway, strictly only between 11 and 7. 7 in the evening, I think, is a nice time to pull down the curtain on it. I would never cut my grass in the morning anyway. I mean, who cuts their grass in the early morning? In the summertime, if you cut your grass in the early morning and the sun happens to come out, it'll burn the sugar out of it. So cut it in the evening when the sun starts to go down. That's what I do. I cut it yesterday. Sunday is a perfect day for cutting the grass. It's a day when you've, you're off. Um, but seven in the evening, one in five people said seven in the evening is a fine time to turn off the machinery. But where this is becoming a thing really is with these robot lawnmowers. There are robot lawnmowers now. No, I don't have a little, my little patch of grass. A robot would be bored out of his mind. But these little robot lawnmowers, they're brilliant things. They're like a little flymo with no handle. You'll have seen them in Woody's or whatever. I think we gave one away. or gave, Yeah, we did give one away a few months ago on the show. They're fabulous little yoke. But they make a little noise. And some of them are now so sophisticated, you can start them from your phone. So literally, when you go into bed at night, and you're all gone, you can start these things off your phone and he'll come out of his little shed and he'll cut the grass and he'll go back into his little shed and he'll go off to sleep at two in the morning, if you want him to. You can set him to come out and cut your grass whenever. Can you imagine being lying in your bed with the windows open as you would in the summer and there's this coming from next door. Do they, Buzz? I think they do. Coming from next door at three in the morning. Yeah, of course there's this whole thing now so so many people not cutting their grass or cutting it less frequently and that's your own business if you want to do that I cut mine yesterday I just got away with it before the rain came because I had been out in it and I said if I don't cut that now and the rain comes 
it'll be another couple of days before I can cut it. And the way the grass in my back garden grows, it'll be in the flipping kitchen before I get a chance to cut it. So I went out yesterday afternoon, got it done, takes me half an hour. I quite enjoy cutting my grass, put on the headphones and live in music in a way which I've done half an hour. Then the rain came. But Sunday's a perfect day to cut the grass, I would have thought. But these robot lawnmowers, a pal of mine put one in, Owen, if you're listening up in Dunamore, I don't, I, I don't think you'd run it at three in the morning, would you? But you can. From from your phone, you can run these little lawnmowers now. 0818 96 96 96. There's a thought. Would you, do, do you, will you cut your grass on a Sunday? When is, when is it not acceptable? Like, would you be out with it at 8 o'clock in the morning? Can you imagine the sound of it? You're just waking up on a Saturday morning, having had a few scoops on a Friday night, and the head isn't what it might be. And you go out to have a morning chat with Mother Nature about 8 o'clock and hopefully get another hour of sleep before you have to get up. And this fella starts on a pull cord next door. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. So I would say not before 11. And seven in the evening would be a nice time to to stop, I would have thought. Or even six. There's no need for it in the evening time. And certainly no need for it in the early morning. Your thoughts are welcome. 0818 96 96 96. To remind you again, the Best of Cork Awards are closed. The nominations have closed. And we are now compiling shortlists. And the shortlists will be announced on Wednesday starting at 6am. We'll announce shortlists throughout the day and then it's over to you to vote. But nominations are closed. We gave you enough notice and enough warning. Nominations are closed. Uh, Shortlist being announced Wednesday for the Best of Cork Awards 2023 on Cork's 96FM. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96FM. Two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. I'm in love with the money. Answer 10 questions in 60 seconds to claim 2,000 euros. 2,000 euros. Yeah, Lorraine and Ross in the morning. I'm getting money. Oh, on Cork's 96 FM. I don't know if you saw these text messages or if you're following this story about Jonah Hills or text messages that have been attributed to Jonah Hill by his now ex-girlfriend, she being a professional surfer and all that. He started telling her what to do, how to dress, who she could be friends with. And he started doing it in text messages. Like, he, he said, if you need boundaryless, inappropriate relationships with men, to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, Friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild past, this is not respectful to me. I'm not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it. And there'll be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for romantic partnership. My boundaries are based with you are based on the ways these actions have hurt our trust. I mean, like, come on. A certain level of Almost bordering on control there. Nolene Blackwell, former Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. Nolene, good morning. 
Good morning, PJ. This story hit the headlines. You know, we all kind of like our partners and our we have a relationship with our partners. Like, for example, my wife, if she sees me going out in a certain short, will say, take that bloody thing off. We make it fool of yourself. <laughs> but I'm used to that. But this is different. Yeah. I, it, look, I, I think the thing is that it's it has created in a certain small little bubble of people, it has created an awful lot of debate, an awful lot of people saying he uh, he's allowed to do that, as well as a lot of people going, oh, oh, he's trying to control that woman in a way that's not appropriate at all. And I think that the debate happens, you know, just like at one level, you, you just go, uh, telling a professional surfer not to wear bathing suits and not to yeah, uh, engage taken with men. Bathing suits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 telling her not to associate with women in an unstable place, which of course is his opinion. Uh, certainly, certainly can, and I, I don't know. Certainly, I think to me would read as somebody really exercising control over a person in their job, in their place of work, um, deciding who is and is not a suitable friend. And all of those go to a very deep level of manipulation. But then as against that, and again, I'm just having to sort of try and balance it. You're right that if you're in a relationship with somebody else, you do try and respect what they want from the relationship as well as what you want from it. And if it does mean that you're not to be seen in a particularly grotty short around town, that's uh, that's that's something that ye as a couple can live with. It might not be appropriate in another relationship at all. And that's why I think it is worthy of conversation and worthy of thinking about yeah. that there is there's a stage at which you have to accommodate the relationship and there's a stage at which we you have to wonder have we moved far away at all from the idea that women are owned by men and uh, if i can just very briefly draw the line back it's it's actually less than 50 years ago that there was a case in dublin uh, or in the High Court in Dublin, uh, where um, where somebody was suing somebody else because you could in the time he was suing another man uh, b- who was having an affair with his wife, and the affair was totally consensual uh, with the other man, and everyone agreed. But the judge, in summing up the case, because he was suing for money, he was mm. saying, "I want money because you are having an affair with my wife." And in summing up the case, the judge at that time said, "What was the law then? It's not anymore." A wife is a chattel, just like a cow or a thoroughbred horse. Mm. And, and, and that is kind of the property connotation that has existed in male-female relationships over the generations and over the centuries. And I would have thought maybe with younger generations like Jonah Hill, like that girlfriend, Sarah Brady, that it would no longer be acceptable. But it it is still something that we come across regularly. Uh, we're on the National 24-Hour Helpline and we're one of the 16 rape crisis centres around the country, but we come across it where people try to shape somebody else mm. into a way that they're not 
And that is not respectful. They don't they don't love the person they're with. They don't admire them. They want somebody else. They want the doll. They want the piece of property that they can shape. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and actually what I thought on that case as well was she went along with it a long way at one stage, according to what she says, because he's not commenting on it at all. But she says that uh, she said she would take down certain videos, but she wanted to keep up her best surface video but would make adjustments to it as well and you're kind of going she says later maybe she should have seen red flags but at the time you're going ah no <laughs> I, I don't know I would like to think I would have said it sooner along the way but I'm older um, you know I'm not uh, I, I'm not in love with uh, with Jonah Hill all of those things she may have been trying very hard to accommodate him but but nothing was good enough yeah. relationships have I won't say rules, but kind of agreements. When Tom and Mary have a relationship, yeah. Mary does not do certain things because Tom doesn't like yeah. them, and vice versa. There are things Tom doesn't yes. do because Mary doesn't like them. That's normal behaviour. That's respect that's for right. one another. It's, but that's where's right. the line, and, that, and that's Nolan? the agreement. Where's the line? Hmm? Where's the line? Where's the the line? The line is where actually people are being manipulated uh, and and coerced into into ways that are not respectful. And again, I'm not sure that I I just think it's one of the words Irish people really understand very well. Is where something is or is not respectful. That was not respectful of, uh, in my view, that was not respectful. If Jonah Hill did send those texts. Uh, to to try and change her into somebody who was different mm-hmm. in saying uh, things like, this is what I require from you. Now, in fairness, what he then said was, if you don't do these things, I'm not the right partner for you. I think he should have spotted that sooner. He should have said, if what I want is a doll who doesn't uh, go out with other people, I have to go and look for, I don't know, go into a shop and buy a Barbie or what. Although even Barbie's turning out to be quite, <laughs> quite <laughs> different now. But, you know, it's just he wasn't looking for a human being or he wasn't looking for the human being that was Sarah Brady if he sent those texts. Because what he wanted was to change her into somebody that he owned and shaped. And that's where I think the the boundary is where somebody tries to own you, Mm. tries to change you, tries to move you away from your friends, tries to say you are you are to be just available to me. And I find it extraordinary again how often you know, people who seem really strong, really confident, really on top of their game can be can be manipulated. And we all can be manipulated in this mm. way. Now, the, There's the, no shame in being manipulated. The shame is in trying to do the manipulation. These texts are going back to 2021, according to the date, the date on them. But yeah. for to be to be dating a professional surfer who models at the same time and to ask her to tell yeah. her that I can't be in a relationship with you if you take pictures doing what you do professionally. Get out that yeah. door. Get out that door fast, I would have said. You don't need to yeah. be with this person. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and again, all that's fine. And I mean, looking at that text, assuming he sent it, looking at that text, uh, a good response would have been, clearly, you're not the right partner for me. Go away and f- find somebody else. But it is, it is interesting in a relationship 
one tries very hard to make it work, don't you? You know, you try mm. hard to make something work. And clearly she was trying hard. We might say, looking at it now, she was trying too hard for her own good. And that's what she says now in retrospect. But at the same time, it is, it's just between the two people that there was no agreement there at that stage. There was, uh, in her view later, there was an effort to manipulate her in a way which would have done all of the things. These are red flags and uh, the red flags for coercive control and Women's Aid uh, have a, a great website up putting up the signs, particularly for young people about where somebody is in the words of their campaign too into you, you know, too engaged, too controlling, watching where you're going. But you hear it the whole time. You don't have to be young. You hear of people who have to text where they are at any given time, who if they turn up a minute late home, they're in real trouble with their partner. These are the kind of things where somebody is trying to own, to possess somebody else, to change them. It is not respectful. It is not right. It is actually often criminal. But apart from anything else it's also really really harmful Um, and I think people often feel when they look back that maybe they were foolish or did the wrong thing but actually abusers are very good at their job sometimes you don't notice it it creeps up on you and they get the the impression sorry they get the impression or people people around them form the impression oh he's so caring he minds her so well Uh, that's right that's right. Uh, that's right. Exactly. Uh, that's it. Isn't 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 he lovely? The way he looks, the way he looks out for you the whole time, and and that's where then, as you see, people drifting away from their friends because their partner doesn't approve of them, uh, or if they uh, or if they are seen to be having to text wherever they are at any time anxious about that, having to text too often. These are the kind of things that, you know, you just, an abuser will build that up bit by bit, will chip away at a person's confidence, at their self-esteem, at their essential dignity. Um, and and the thing is that you can say it because it happens all of us. You're not foolish for having been abused. You're, you're a fool if you abuse. You're wrong. You're doing the wrong thing if you abuse. But don't but don't blame yourself if you have found yourself in that situation. But do go even talk to, say, our helpline, the confidential helpline, just to check, to do a check for yourself. Because what you don't want is someone chipping away yeah. until you forget who you are and you're just the object of somebody else. Yeah. You see, is he crossing a line? You can do a quick checklist on it. Nolene, thank you. Nolene Blackwell. Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. There's another story in, in the papers too of this uh, baby Rexa, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, young singer. She actually was one of the people who had something thrown at her at a concert recently. Was it a phone hit her in the face during a concert? Um, her her fella started making inappropriate comments about her weight so she ditched him. He started criticising her appearance. Uh, he said, you gained 35 pounds. Should I just pretend it didn't happen and that it's okay? That's not, that's not fair. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I see that. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention, Nolene is actually, are you still there? Nolene is, she's gone. Nolene is retiring soon uh, from the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre and we wish her well. Uh, with that, she's put in many years of service, and we maybe we chat to her before she steps down 
and talk about her time, her time there. Um, back to the library. Oh, she is there. You there? You there, Nolene? No, she's not. She got off. She's gone off the line. It's okay. Um, let me go to to Michael. Back to the protests in in the library. Michael, there's a there's a line, and these protests have crossed that line repeatedly now. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, yes, indeed. And, and look, before we start, let's just say John O'Donovan is a man who has made some very significant contributions to your program over the indeed. years. Absolutely. And very positive. And uh, I, I enjoy his his discussions. I enjoy his arguments. Uh, now on the the present situation, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to stand back and look at this a little bit objectively, you know, somebody not directly involved. But look, any person who is in a workplace should not be made feel uncomfortable or feel they are under threat or maybe possibly assaulted while carrying out their duties, no matter who that person is. And I think every person in a workplace has a right to, to do their job without fear or intimidation. There's legislation I, I there to that effect, I, but, Michael. Well, well, this is what, you know, surprises me. Now, the, the, the protesters say they have legitimate protests, and, and let's, let's give them that. They have legitimate protests. But the manner in which you go about your, your protest then is something that one needs to pay careful attention to. And if these protesters are looking for support, then they should bear that in mind because people who, who will be watching it and may have sympathy with them may then feel they're just pushing this a little bit too far because, as you rightly said this morning, these people working in the libraries are employees of the council or the library or whatever. They are not people who make decisions on what goes on the shelves. They are there just paid to do a job. Hmm. And yet... They're being subjected to this type of harassment. And look, none of us, no matter who we are, like to have a phone stuck in our faces and knowing that somebody is videoing us. I think there are limits, and you're right. Whatever legitimate case these these protesters feel they have, I think I would ask them to to, to take a step back and and to behave in, in, in a more respectful manner to the actual employees that they're dealing with. And if they want to go to the people who made decisions to put those books on the shelves, whoever those people were, uh, city manager, government minister, Mm. civil servant, whoever, let them go to those people and say their piece. And and to at least to respect those workers who are just doing a job for a salary Mm. and should not be, because it could be your daughter, my daughter, in there doing that job. And it's not fair that they are subject to this type of behaviour. It's just not appropriate. I made the point, Michael, when this started, I spoke to one of the protesters and I asked that question. I said, why are you protesting against someone who had no part, no hand actor part in the placing of the book on the shelf? And she was kind of a bit stumped by it. Well, you see, very often, as you know, that people behaving in a certain manner will pick on, on what they see as a weakest link. And, and rather than, than challenge people who may be in a better position to answer them, they cha- challenge the poor person who may be new to the job or whatever. And it, it, it's inappropriate. Now, there were terms used like, like cowards and things like that this morning. May, may or may not be correct. But I just think that this is inappropriate. Michael, thank you, as always. 0818 96 96 96. A couple of more calls coming in and a lot of comments still coming in on this particular topic. Anne 
says, I'm assuming this is the, uh, an, e- an email to opinion at 96fm.ie, we live in a democracy. By definition, we have the freedom to choose what we read, among other liberties. Too much literature and other manifestations of culture, like film, have been banned in our sad past. But I'm fed up, exhausted and sick to the teeth of the LGBTQ plus community forcing their agenda everywhere on everyone. Are they so insecure they insist on screaming their agenda at anyone forced to listen? I personally don't agree with the introduction of such material to the school curriculum based on relevance, not based on homo or transphobia. I mean, why not introduce and promote the topics of rice growing in China or pension rights of lock keepers on the Panama Canal? Where's the relevance? Don't subject and overwhelm children with unnecessary pressure. Let them be children for as long as they can be. Thank you. And thank you, Anne. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM. Wake up in my bed, I just want to have a good day. Lorraine and Ross in the morning on Cork's 96FM. If you thought we couldn't top Graham Norton on the show yesterday, brace yourself for the ultimate crossover. Barbie meets PJ Coogan. Join us tomorrow from 6, only on Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 Text or WhatsApp 083 Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96 FM. James is in Munich. Morning, James. Temperature's okay here today, he says. High 20s. High 20s are lovely. High 20s are lovely. The weekend was very warm. 38 on Saturday. And by the way, he says, in Germany, it's against the law to cut your lawn on a Sunday or a public holiday. You're joking me. Because of noise, Sunday and public holiday are considered to be rest days. Crikey. Mind you, that's what some... Is that what Alan Titchmart seems to want? I was reading about that earlier on. In Germany, I didn't know this. Did you know that? It's against the law to mow your lawn on a Sunday or a public holiday, bank holiday like, in Germany. What are they going to do? Come and fight. That, that's mad. That's the maddest thing. Thanks, James. 0818 96 96 96. Still getting stuff coming in about the protests at the library. Um, the ones ongoing here in Cork and the one down in Tralee a week or two ago, which got fairly physical with people being manhandled out of the way, which was most unpleasant to watch. Um, Rebecca, good morning. Good morning. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, in fairness, I can't see myself taking any... I, I mean, it's very hard to take them seriously. These are all men who are living at home with their parents. They're, I don't think there's a parent among them. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and at the end of the day, it's a parent's decision what they want um, their children to be around. Like, in the same way that you would lock a Netflix account if you don't want your children watching Making a Murderer, you know what I mean? It's the very same. If you feel that the content of a book is inappropriate, then you simply don't let them have it. Yes. I mean, it's, since when has that not been enough? You are the ultimate filter. 
this is it. That's a, that's a, it's a parent's job to decide what they feel is and is not appropriate. It's not for some random bunch of hooligans busting into a library. I mean, if we start going down that path, that's a very dangerous path. Like if, you, if your 12 or 14 or 15 year old goes to the library and arrives home with that book you can have a conversation with them and say look I'm not too sure you should be reading that can I have a look at it first well in fairness anything that they find in the library at 14 or 15 is something that they'll have found much worse on TikTok much earlier that's a great point that's a great point Rebecca it's just a book Go into, delve into TikTok or delve into Snapchat and you'll find Snapchat and you'll find a hell of a lot worse. Start looking at, you know, the, I mean, the internet is a hell of a lot worse than any library. If we had more children in libraries than on, than on the phones and on the internet, I'm sure that we'd be in a much better place. Mm. But these hooligans using this um, as an excuse to intimidate and to act just like hooligans, let's be fair about it. Um, if they had any legitimate concerns about the safety of children, then busting in and frightening them, it, it doesn't add up, does it? Yeah, because from what you hear, and we weren't able to see the children on the video, thankfully, but the children were terrified by this commotion going on at the door. And why wouldn't they be? They came to they came to a story time. It, it cracks me up as well because I don't know, like I don't know about you, but when I was a kid. You'd go to Lanzarote and you'd go see a drag show with your family. Absolutely. So what's the big deal? Titty Trollope's Music Hall Tavern, which was one of the best (laughs) family shows I was ever at. Exactly. So where is all this manufactured outrage? Nothing has changed since back then, except that we've decided to be outraged about it. I remember being in FAO Schwartz. I was in in New York a few years, a lot of years ago now. And FAO Schwartz, of course, very famous toy shop. And up on the sixth floor, there's Barbie reading books to children. Barbie's a man. Gone <laughs> up. It's drag Barbie. And the kids were lapping it up. This is 30 flipping years ago, Rebecca, do you know? <laughs> this is it, like, I mean, you know, parents are the ultimate decision makers here. They're, this is an excuse to behave like a hooligan. And the people that are suffering at the end of the day, everyone has a right to protest, no matter how ridiculous we think it is. But they have to do, they have to conduct themselves in a certain way. They don't get to intimidate people. They don't get to push people. They don't get to frighten children who are in a library. Like, this is unacceptable. If they want to, you know, manufacture outrage, then that's totally up to them. But we have to protect the actual workers and the families who are going to these libraries, first and foremost. Sure. The last time we were talking, you were in a bit of trouble with your housing situation. How's that worked out? Fantastic. Has it? Absolutely fantastic. Tell me, to go, re- re- recap again, you were you were close to being evicted, weren't you? We were, and I'll be honest, it was it was not a good time. It was no. not a good time. Uh, we tried, we actually tried to buy the house off the landlord, Um there, I know there's new, I mean, I was having this conversation with every politician in Cork, but they were saying, oh, you know, there's new legislation coming where they'll have to sell you the house. Sure, there, you can't do it. Like, there's, it's, not, it's never going to stand up. It's never going to stand up. You, you get forced refusal, don't you? Yeah, yeah, but that's not going to work. Like, because, you know, it's their right. It's their property. They have to be allowed 
to put it on the open market mm-hmm. and get as much as they can possibly get for Remember it. Remember, at the time you even acknowledged that dire knowledge your situation was, you were you were very gracious about that at the time. And that's exactly what our landlord wanted to do. They wanted to put it on the open market because they knew they'd get 30,000, 40,000 more than the market value in the current climate. Mm. So uh, we we were kind of in a dire straits, had the old daft alerts on, calling everybody, popping in everywhere. Um, and then, like magic, one day I pulled, because I was pulling in every time I got a daft alert. Um, 9.35, the house went up. By 9.38, I'd called and emailed them. And by 9.40, it was down. <laughs> you got one so, off daft. Yep, we got place to rent. A fantastic. And nice place. Oh, it's it's magic. It's actually lower rent than we've paid in eight years. <laughs> it's just, it's a miracle. <laughs> oh, it's genuinely a miracle. Um, and the letting agency are just lovely. They're so kind, and they're just really nice people. And it's just, it was meant to be. I am delighted for you. Yeah. Because I remember how upset you were on the phone. You were trying to hold it together, and struggling. <laughs> In fairness, it was it was four or five months of... And I mean, I'm not going to lie, anyone who's in that situation, like even myself and my husband, we couldn't sleep, we couldn't eat, we were physically sick with worry. And I, my heart goes out to anyone in that situation because we were, we were just super lucky. Um, but, I mean, the, the situation as it stands, it's inhumane, really, it is, yeah. like... Well, I'm. I'm. You. Your. Your news has made my Monday. It. it we. In fairness, it is. It's. And it's. And I think it must be. Um. There's something about it as well because ever since we moved in there, everything's been just fantastic. So, it was obviously it was meant for us. Long way at last, Rebecca. Thank you. I'm delighted for you, and thanks for your contribution on the protests discussion as well. That's from. That's isn't that the best news we've heard in a while? Because remember, Rebecca was really upset and really bothered about what she was going to do when she was on here with me a few months ago on the verge of eviction on the brink of homelessness and to hear her there so happy it just, it just worked out 0818 96 96 96 on the gardens and doing your garden and cleaning your garden what next? AI lawnmowers I've heard it all now the world is mad <laughs> and it's not getting any better said Joe. yeah Joe these are these little things these little robot mowers that live in a little hut in the corner of the yard and you can program them to come out any time of the day or night and they run up and down and they cut the grass and go off into bed and go to sleep and they can do it while you're asleep and you can set it on your phone whenever. Uh, Yeah, I know. It's weird, isn't it? Uh, What about a law to stop all the Tom Joneses and Mark McCabeses coming down the street out of the pub? Let's get real. But what the real nuisances are, oh, I know. Oh God, no. I live, I'm delighted to live by a bus stop. But sometimes at maybe two or three o'clock on a Sunday morning, fellas getting off the bus and all they want to do going down the road is belt out the latest karaoke karaoke classic. Destroy it. That's right. Uh, Thank you. Good morning, Julian, from uh, Inland's Rotty. He says it's against the law to use power tools on a Sunday or after eight in the evening. The after eight in the evening bit, I could understand. But are you saying to me, Julian, that you can't do a bit of drilling or sawing or DIY with power tools in your backyard of a Sunday? That's a bit steep. steep. 
0818969696 on weather. It's not scorching everywhere. Someone on the phone here says they've been scraping ice off the cars in Australia. Well, it is winter over there. Wow. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Thanks for all your nominations in the Corks 96 FM Best of Cork Awards. Best of Cork Awards. Best of all is now. Now stay listening to hear who's made the shortlist. We'll announce the finalists this Wednesday from 6am. Then get voting for your favourite. Are you ready, ready for the lights? The Best of Cork Awards 23. The Best of Cork Awards 23. You're the best. Only on Cork's 96FM. Mortgages are costing an awful lot more to sustain than they were a year or two ago. Uh, I was on a tracker mortgage for years. I'm no longer on a tracker mortgage. Uh, For the last couple of months, I I took a jump uh, a few months back. Um, We got this email in and we said we better get some advice for the person. Hi, PJ. I'm paying an extra €500 a month on my tracker mortgage compared to this time two years ago. It's unsustainable. We're barely able to get to the end of the month. Equally, however, I don't want to lose the tracker. What should I do? And that's the confusing part. When I left my tracker, there was no going back, and I agreed to it with the with my lender, and I only have a single figure, a number of years left anyway, so I was okay. But what, does, what would someone do? Brian Ford is a senior advisor with Rockwell Financial. Brian, good morning. Hey, PJ, how are you? Good. I'm sure you're coming across that one. People on trackers, it was fantastic when they got them. Now it's climbing relentlessly. What should they do? Yeah, so first and foremost, obviously, it's a very, very common thing at the moment. And it's a very tough um, decision to make. Again, and it's very depending on each individual circumstance. Like at a, a higher level, in a, a normally functioning market, which this isn't normal at the moment, um, a tracker variable rate is obviously going to work out less expensive from an interest perspective than fixed rates. So but that person might be reluctant to give up their tracker because over the last 15 years or so, up until the last year or two, that was such an asset for them having such that low rate. But now interest rates have increased extortionately and in the short term, are set to continue to increase, but then in the medium term should stabilise and long term hopefully revert and come back down a bit. So it's a liability at the moment, but could be an asset again in the future. So I suppose to to tackle that question, firstly, I suppose it comes back to um, a number of kind of different nuances and factors. So firstly, you kind of want your margin is on the tracker, because if you have the ECB plus half a percent versus the ECB plus 1.75%, obviously the 1.75 is a a lot more punitive at this point yeah. in time. Yeah. So as a general rule of thumb, hanging on to your tracker can be a good thing, but if you have a higher margin, then potentially not. Other kind of factors to consider is someone would say in your position, again, if you can fix your, your tracker and either see out your term or else coming off the end of your fixed rate, only have a few years left, mm. then that's fine. Now, what you don't really want to do ideally is fix your tracker and then have another 10, 15 years left because then you're at the mercy of the banks and the standard variable rate at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So again, 
ideally, generally rule of thumb, the longer the term you've left post fixed rate, maybe hang on to your tracker. But then I suppose it comes back to this individual question which that person emailed in. Um, like it's becoming so when you're making decisions like this, yeah, it's it's very easy to, to think, think of this very logically and look at it purely from a mathematical perspective. But you have to take in the personal and the emotional factors into consideration too. So this person, if they're struggling to make it month to month and are running out of money before they get paid again, then fixing it is something they kind of have to consider, unfortunately. But if they are going to do it, make sure first and foremost, it's going to make a tangible impact to their to their take-home pay or to their disposable income. So if it makes a difference of 50, 100 euro a month, maybe it's not worthwhile doing. If it makes a difference of 500 quid a month, then obviously that's going to make them in a much healthier position, both financially, but also mentally too. But if they are going to fix it again, I would recommend absolutely getting advice on it before doing so. And also do so with the knowledge that long-term it may not be the most prudent financial move, but it's going to help them through the storm in the short term. Yeah. With regard to leaving a tracker, I'm I, I'm given to understand, Brian, that there are sometimes you can go back to it, other times you can't. Now I was told I can't, but with such a short duration left, I was okay with that. But I understand there are circumstances where you can. Any light you can shed on that? See, it's it's a very individual individual um, answer to that question, and it very depends on the bank you're with, the type of tracker that you're on, the kind of contract you have with your bank individually. But again, it kind of comes back to the the answer to the question. If you are going to consider leaving a tracker, speak to your bank, speak to a mortgage advisor, and get solid information before making any decision, because it is a decision in a lot of circumstances circumstance that you can't go back on. Hmm. Is it worth then for this person who contacted us Give your lender a ring and set up a meeting. That's the I, first I, thing I would, I would give. I, I would give their lender a ring, but also I would maybe have a chat to someone that's not tied to their own bank. Maybe speak to like an impar- an impartial mortgage broker because right. if they speak to their bank, their bank's going to give their advice from the bank's point of view. Sure. Whereas if you can speak to someone who is impartial, I would I would advise doing both. To be honest with there's you, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of advice out there, but the bank will give you what suits the bank. hundred percent. Yeah. I was thinking that. The question is going on pensions, Brian, while I have you. Um, I'm in my early 40s, says this message. Uh, my husband has a pension, but I have none. We're trying to decide yeah. whether we should just save and have a nest egg, or should I try to get a pension now? Is it too late, says Emma. Okay. Um, when it comes to pensions, nine times out of ten, it's, n- it's never too late. Again, it, the only time it's really too late is if we say you're a couple of years in retirement, and you're paying little to no tax and it's probably not worth your while. But for this person, yes, it's, it's definitely worth their while doing. Like ideally, of course, with the pension, the earlier you start, the better. So mm. in theory, again, we should all come out of college and start our first job and start paying into our pension from our very, very first paycheck. But then we know in reality that's a lot harder than it actually than it sounds because, again, in your 20s, you might want to do a bit of travelling, you've stuff you want to live your life. In your 30s, you may be saving for houses, wedding, kids and that sort of situation. So this situation where people are in their 40s without a pension is very, very common. And it's it's never too late. So, And the reason it's not too late, I suppose, is because pensions are, from a, in, particularly in Ireland, the most kind of lucrative and tax-efficient vehicle for saving towards the future. So if you're saving in a bank or a normal investment, it's fine. If you make any interest, you must pay tax on that interest. Whereas with a pension, you get a kind of a dual form of tax relief. 
So if you're a 20% taxpayer, you get 20% relief. If you're a 40% taxpayer, you receive 40% relief. So let's just take an example of a 40% taxpayer and they want to put €100 euro a month into their pension. Mm-hmm. They put in €100, euro, but they get refunded 40 so the actual cost of them is 60 So in other words, they, it's 60 quid out of their pocket, taxman pays 40 100 euro goes into their pension. So straight away you're up 40 euro or 66% from an investment perspective. That's the first form of tax relief. Secondly, then the money will go into a fund that in theory over time should grow and increase. And there's no tax to be paid on that investment growth, whereas you would have to pay tax on investment growth and other sorts of investments and things of that nature. Okay. So, no, it's it's not too late. The pension is definitely the best vehicle towards saving for the future. But again, what I would say is to come back to, again, in this particular situation, the person in their 40s, a pension may not be the only thing that they're focusing on. They may have kids there they want to put through college. They may have need to get the house renovated or a car in the next couple of years. So it's really about getting the, mm. again, sitting down, getting advice and getting the split between, okay, what are my short-term goals? What are kind of my medium-term goals, long-term goals? So mm. short-term might be, say, new car, medium-term maybe, college for the kids, long-term pension, okay, and what's the best split between those three different goals that I need to be saving? Yeah, because it's, it's, a, it's a lump out of your, and yes, the tax relief is there, but it's still another monthly outgoing at a time oh, 100%. when our monthly outgoings yeah. have gone through the roof. Yeah, it, it all comes, again, all this stuff, PJ, it comes back to affordability. This is obviously quite a blanket advice I'm giving here it's obviously going to be bespoke from each person to person again some things if, if someone has would say an employer scheme and kind of opt into that where their employer's making a matching contribution that kind of I suppose would reduce the cost of their pockets they don't have to put in as much because their employer's paying in a percentage so if that's the case it's usually a very very good thing to do if they have capacity to do it but it all comes back down to do you have the capacity to do it at the end of the day I see. All right. Where can people contact you, Brian, if they'd like to get your advice on a more one-to-one basis? Yeah, so rockwellfinancial.ie is the website. So again, you can um, go into there. We have a meet the team section there. You can book in and contact us or if anyone wants to email me any questions directly, my email is bford at rockwellfinancial.ie. So B-F-O-R-D-E at rockwellfinancial.ie. All right. Pleasure having you on the programme. Thank you very much. No straight up front answers Thanks, Brian. No straight up front answer to that person who wrote us about the track of marriage, but first, definite thing you should do is seek advice. Seek advice. Go and talk to someone about it. Because that's a lot of money to be paying out. I know, I remember talking to listeners about this back a few months ago, and I had been told by many advisors, including, for example, the great John Lowe, money doctor himself, to let them prize your tracker from your cold, dead hands, which was fine. But then it started going up and up and up and up. Now, by the time, because our mortgage is, thankfully, in its in the autumn of its lifetime, we're not doing too bad. But it started going up and up and up. And my mortgage repayments jumped by the bones of 180 quid in the course of a year, which is just about sustainable, but fine. And I took advice. I'm lucky to be related to someone who works in that line. I took advice uh, over a pint and... I was told make a phone call, set up a meeting, and I did, and I and I fixed, and I'm happy that I did. Um, I, I, but that was my case. But everyone's case would appear to be different. Thank you, Brian. Um, there's uh, roadworks at the Lakeview roundabout in Middleton. Traffic coming from Castle Martyr held up for at least twenty minutes. Castle Martyr. Now there's a thing. I was in Castle Martyr on Saturday. I was going through it. I was going to a funeral in. Uh, Killer, and 
set off from Cork about one o'clock for the two o'clock funeral mass and got to just about outside Castle Martyr. Maybe there by the lake, you know the lake? Outside Castle Martyr. And that's where the traffic jam started. And it went right into Castle Martyr, through Castle Martyr, and out the other side. And there was no visible sign of what the cause of it was. And it was coming in from the other side as well. It had dissipated by the time I got back from the funeral. But, yeah, it was always a dodgy place for, for traffic. Anyway, it was Castle Martyr. But the roadworks of the Lakeview roundabout Middleton. So traffic held up for about 20 minutes. That's not something you need at all. 0818 96 96 96. Get back to the heat and the, and the temperatures around Europe. They're telling us this week that uh, Italy could get to 46, 47 degrees, which is, they look, that is uncomfortable. No doubt about it. Um, uh, the, the Cerberus, they were calling the heat wave over the last couple of days and now they've come up with another weird Greek name is it Greek name for the second heat wave but the explanation which I found most interesting the explanation by for why we've got a not great July a July that felt more like late September when I was up yesterday morning feeding the cats at half nine in the morning it certainly felt more like September, late September yesterday morning the reason is that the bit of warm weather that would normally drift up here in the back end of July to warm up our summer, that can't get up because it is locked down over Europe. It's going nowhere. And that's the problem. The system isn't moving. If the system moved, it would move a little bit north. It would kick the cold and the wet out into the Atlantic and we'd get a bit of a summer. Now, we wouldn't be getting 40 degrees, but we'd like 24 or 25, would we not, in the second half of July. But that's why. It's because of the heat wave down over Europe. All the weather systems are out of kilter, and we can't get the bit of hot weather here. That seems to be why, why it's happening. Pain in the neck. But they're saying that people who would book last minute are holding off on it. Um, this was according to uh, Click and Go, which is a holiday company, where people can go in last minute and you see what's there. You know, if you decide today you want to get on a plane on Saturday, what's available and where could you go? Um, you yeah, get deals. You get some savage deals out of it. But people are sort of holding back a little bit to see will the, will the heat dissipate a bit because they don't want to be landing with children. And you can understand that. They don't want to be landing with children into the mid to high 40s. But no one's cancelling their bookings. At least I haven't heard of anybody cancelling their holidays. You've got to have your head examined, as far as I'm concerned, if you cancel your holidays, just because it might be a bit hot. You know, it's the summer, it's Spain, it's supposed to be hot. <sighs> oh yeah, I mentioned these guys a few weeks ago. Um, they were in Dublin. A- another kind of eco-protester uh, engaging in criminal damage. These are the tyre extinguishers. You'll have seen it on social and there'll have been some stuff in the papers about it. Tyre extinguishers, they call themselves. They went around South Dublin last month letting down the tyres on SUVs in people's driveways 
and outside people's houses, letting down the tyres and then leaving a note on the windscreen. You'll be angry, but don't take it personally. It's not you, it's your car. Um, ridiculous. Carry on. Criminal damage. Now, they claim to be targeting SUVs, but according to the Mail on Sunday, smaller cars like Ford C-Max were also done. And a couple of these beauties, who it would appear don't have the brains they were born with, started letting down the tyres on electric cars. Like, so SUVs are gas-guzzling polluters, apparently. So they say. So they let down the tyres on the SUV. But they also let down the tyres on an electric car. I mean, what kind of a clot? (laughs) But they're saying that they're more organised now and they'll be targeting towns and cities around the capital. They say they don't fear prosecution. None of their members have been arrested or charged for deflating tyres. They say they have hundreds of people now in 18 countries across Europe including here in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, your gas guzzler kills, is the note. We have deflated one or more of your tyres. They put in a small object to press down the pin on the valve cap. They say SUVs and 4x4s are a disaster for our climate. SUVs are the second largest cause, etc., etc. The world's in a climate, it's emergency, etc., etc., the group is taking action because our governments and politicians will not. They're unnecessary. SUVs are unnecessary and pure vanity. That's why we've taken this decision. You'll have no difficulty getting around without your gas guzzler with walking, cycling or public transport. It will also target hybrid and electrical vehicles which are still polluting, dangerous and causing congestion. Tell you now. And you know, if I see them, anyone coming near my car, trying that crack. First of all, they'll be picking their face off the bumper. And secondly, I will have them for criminal damage. Other holiday related stuff. I see a story there in the Irish Times this morning where householders near Dublin Airport are getting very frustrated by people who are going on holidays, flying out of Dublin Airport leaving their cars in housing estates nearby because the airport car parks have been booked out for weeks and weeks and weeks. I was in the airport, our own wonderful Cork airport, last week, meeting some people up there. We'll let you hear it before the end of the week, just about going out on holidays and how you can prepare yourself for the trip through the airport. And <laughs> We met one great character. He's a, a fellow who runs the, the car park up there. And his motto was, if you bring it up, we'll park it. I'll find you a place to park. Give me a couple of days' notice and I'll find you a place to park. So, none of that going on at Cork Airport. Why would you want Why would you want to go to Dublin if you can get to where you want to go to out of Cork? But definitely there's a, there's a big problem with parking at Dublin Airport, but no problem at, at Cork, as we will find out. Uh, later in the week. 0818 969696. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM.
Liam. If you're a regular in Bantry, uh, there in the square where people set up stalls and there's a little market and times, you have seen Olivier at work. I said, as the name suggests, Olivier is a Frenchman who's been based in Bantry for a couple of years. And Olivier, you do a little bit of artisan baking of fresh sourdough bread, but you offer hugs <laughs> with your bread. Uh, and Olivia, I seem to remember you ran into a spot of other during the pandemic, but you're back with the poster up again, offering the, the free hugs. Um, good to chat with you about this. Let, let's find out what's going on. Hey, Olivia, how are you doing? Thank you for inviting me. Um, well, what happened is uh, I have a, a little uh, artisanal uh, bread stall. I do uh, organic sourdough bread and only sourdough and only organic bread. Yeah. Um, it means that uh, um, there's only water, flour and salt into the bread and people are very happy with it. Uh, the flour is organic, uh, meaning there's no Roundup, there's no um, pesticide that will destroy the gut flora. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no uh, chemicals. Uh, the flour is not fortified either, which is interesting. I can talk to you about that a bit later if you want. Mm-hmm or even now. And, um, yeah, I've been doing that for about uh, five years now. Yes, uh, and you have a quite, quite a large following. Um, I do have a little bit of uh, followers, and uh, I have regulars that are very, very happy with the, uh, the little loaves. Yeah. It takes about 12 hours to, to bake one loaf, does it? No, 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 no. It takes 12 hours for the bread to raise. Okay. Because, basically, as I said, you only have water, flour, and salt. Um, there is no yeast. Uh, just the sourdough starter, which is actually just fermented flour. And then I do the bread the night before, let it raise for 12 hours, and then uh, I'll bake it early in the morning. Oh, so it's really, really fresh. It's fresh and uh, uh, it's very good for the gas because it's fermented for 12 hours. Right. Now, you have a poster. I have a picture of it here. A yes. free hug with yes, your yes. loaf of bread. How did that start, Olivia? Oh, it started uh, a while ago. The, that was during the pandemic. Uh, the feelings told in people were was horrendous, uh, you know, for COVID-19. Yeah. Um, be afraid of everything and uh, worse, be afraid of everyone. Uh, that was nefarious. Uh, everybody was like, you know, on the edge. This is why I started putting up the sign, free hug. Yeah. Uh, many were happy, you know, we, I, I was bringing back a sense of normality into the community. We were staying apart from each other. We were, we were, we were standing six yes, feet yes. apart. They were telling you to do social distancing, to wear the mask, but that was, that was bad. And uh, tell me, Olivia, did the guards come and stop you, take, ask you to take the poster down? Well, the, the, the first day, yes, um, that's interesting. Uh, just to say, the Gada and Bantry are really, really nice. They're very civil. And when I had the sign, the sign out, um, uh, I guess at the station, uh, they must have a... a picked up, you know, someone picked up the short straw <laughs> and was uh, choosing to come and talk to me. Did someone call the guardie to complain about your sign and about yes, the hugs? apparently, this is what happened, like, uh, uh, Michael is a surgeon, he's a very nice fellow, and he told me, like, uh, um, we got a call every 10 minutes, mm. and we cannot, we cannot have that all day. Can mm. you please remove the sign? Then I remove the sign. I don't want to uh, clutter the uh, gather phone yeah. station. But uh, I, there was not that many... People that were calling us, say, but there was, you know, every 10 minutes, somebody was getting really, really annoyed because I was just uh, being, how can I say, uh, normal, bringing some sense of normality. Yeah. Yeah, I, just, I just removed the sign, but again, as I say, the gathering country are really, really nice. And now the sign is back. 
Uh, yes, I put it from time to time. Last Saturday, I put it back again. Yes. You know, they, they, there's no social distancing anymore. There's no mask, nothing. But uh, I have to say that during the, the pandemic as well, I used to put it once in a while. And uh, even people that used to wear the mask in the street, they used to come and hug me. It's amazing, like, you know, like people need to have the human touch. Yes. It, you know, that was kind of a, oh gosh, you know, a hug. And a hug is wonderful. It's one thing we all missed, isn't it, Olivia, during the pandemic, even with our nearest and dearest, our best friends. Yes, that, that was horrendous. Yeah. That was horrendous. That was, uh, that was nefarious, as I say. Never, At the never time, heard. we believed it was for our own good. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but it was very damaging. It was, yes. Yeah. I agree with that. Like, you couldn't go to the church, you couldn't go to uh, uh, meet a friend. Uh, worse, worse than that, it was when people were getting buried. They were very difficult times and times I hope we never have to go back to. Olivia, lovely to, to talk to you and to hear about what you do. You're very popular down there and your bread sounds wonderful. So thank you very much. Peaches, you're brilliant. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers, fella. Yeah, a lovely little picture here of him down in the square there in Bantry with his free hug with every loaf of fresh sourdough bread. And he would have talked, I think, probably if I'd asked him more about the bread, he'd have talked to me from now until Saturday. Such is his level of enthusiasm. Um, have, have you been down and got some of his bread? Have you had a hug from him? Does he give old hugs? <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Here's one we'll possibly watch during the course of the week. Um, earlier in the summer, it filled up our phone lines with angry callers not being able to watch the match they wanted to watch uh, because of GAA goal. Cork and Tip, I think, was the most infamous one where there was a brilliant game down in Parky Cueve and we couldn't watch it on the telly. It was only on GAA Go. And, of course, GAA Go then isn't like any other app that you download into a smart television. It's a bit more complicated than that. Of course, it would be. And they were charging 12 quid per match for the matches you could buy a season ticket I think it was about 80 quid but the problems connected to Diego and the anger that it caused it's been a while since, I, since I've seen that kind of anger um, they took over the stuff that Sky Sports used previously do but you see with Sky Sports you just turn it on and you click it on and there it is Diego was a lot more complicated than that but now I'm reading in today's paper that the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission has opened an inquiry into the GAA platform to determine whether it complies with competition law. Hmm. It attracted controversy. Uh, it opened an inquiry in May into whether they're doing this properly, whether it is uh, in conjunct or in compliance with competition law. Which is very interesting. 0818, we'll watch it. 0818 96 96 96. You also see where there's a child benefit top up coming as part of the budget. I'm expecting the budget will be announced. I think the budget is, I think the budget is the 10th of October this year. And they're clamoring to see what they can get uh, for each department. I, I, I noticed that there'll be a double. This is one of the things that you could get is a double payment of child benefit in the budget. Also, Heather Humphreys, the Minister for Social Welfare, is looking at 
this scheme whereby if you lose your job, your initial social welfare payment will be based on your previous earnings. I think that happens in Spain and a few more places, up to a maximum of 450 a week for one person. That may also be coming in the budget. The one thing we'll be watching them for, certainly I think, is that if energy prices don't start to cop themselves on anytime soon, will there be more credits given to us in the winter bills? Because do you remember last year, after I spoke after, after the budget last year, I spoke to Minister Michael McGrath about the credits, and I, I put to him the question, and I could probably find the tape if I had time to go look for it, uh, where he said, I, sa- I asked him if we had to do it again in the winter of 2023, into 2024, I said, would we have the money to do it? He said, I already have the money to do it. So the money's there if they wanted to give us more energy credits coming into the back end of the year, into the cold and wet and damp and dreary winter months when the energy bills nearly broke us. And let's be very straight about it. Nearly flipping well broke us. And there's still no fun in getting our energy bills, even though at this time of the year, they should be tiny and they're not. 0818 96 96 96 I did not know I could never have told you that we don't or we didn't have a plethora of farmhouse ice cream companies in Cork but actually Catswin Good you've opened the first one the Good Dairy Company Morning Good morning PJ how are you? Hi I would have never thought I would have thought we had a thriving ice cream business around Cork City and County how did you discover that hole in the market? Well, I suppose um, we're dairy farmers. Uh, we're based here in Novel, um, so we're in a lovely scenic location looking overlooking the Atlantic Ocean. And um, I am a mom of four kids, and I suppose I always felt immersed here in farming life and surrounded by our beautiful location and spending many a time at our beautiful beaches of Rocky Bay and Oyster Haven mm. and Roberts Cove that um, a, a product like a farmhouse ice cream would tie in beautiful with our location. So I suppose I just did a lot of research. Um, I think the key, I suppose, to what we do is I added value to our milk foot. Um, it's just that we make the ice cream straight here on the farm. Uh, within an hour of milking the cows, I use the milk and cream and I turn it into fresh um, dairy ice cream. Um, so it is our own uh, pedigree fruit and herd. Yeah. But it's li- literally out of the cow and how quickly after it leaves the cow is it saleable as a block of ice oh. cream? Oh, yeah, literally within a day. Um, wow. So, like we say, yes. So, I would obviously make the ice cream. It would have to freeze down to 20 and minus 22. And at that stage, you're ready. Even minus 18 would do. But at that stage, you're ready to sell it. And is there, you can't, is it a process? I mean, what is, what's the, how do you make ice cream? Uh, obviously, not asking you for trade secrets now, but how do, <laughs> how do you make ice cream? Yeah, so it is a process and it's something that you have to learn. Um, So anybody can pick up um, a little DIY kit and make ice cream themselves at home with a very simple recipe. But I suppose I spent a lot of time formulating my recipe. Um, I wanted to bring back to the market a rich and creamy farmhouse ice cream. And um, uh, 75% of my recipe is milk and cream straight from our cows. Um, But 
also, I suppose the process is obviously we pasteurize um, our mix and we also then um, we would add inclusions, which would be the various different flavors yeah. that you would like. I love the names um, of the flavors, by the way. Modi, oh, Modi boots. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's real farming life, isn't that it now? Because that's what we do. We live and die on the farm, as they say. So, um, you know, you never go to a farm uh, without having muddy boots. And I suppose I just wanted to bring back the image of the farm behind the ice cream. Mm. And, you know, it's the full uh, 360, the full picture. Yeah. Orderly vanilla. Do you, is yes. your vanilla yellow or white? Now, there's a question. Yeah. <laughs> so um, at the moment, you know, I, I suppose it's a mix. It's a it's in between both. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't say it's yellow yellow and it's not white white. Because I was on my holidays a couple of years ago and I got I got vanilla ice cream in a, in a gelato and I thought that's yellow, that's lemon. Yeah. I said no, that's actually <laughs> vanilla, the proper vanilla. <laughs> Yeah, everybody somewhere, has somewhere a in between. No, it's, it's like, such a classic a recipe. Yeah. And you do cho- a chocolate, chocolate cow's lick. <laughs> yes, it's cho- yeah, so I tied it again with the cow. So it's actually uh, chocolate and sea salt. So I wanted to bring in yeah. the salt because we overlook the sea. And then chocolate and sea salt is a lovely yeah. contrast. And you get that bite of the chocolate, which is beautiful. Where can we get some? Uh, so at the moment, I launched with, um, I've had a, a great success. I'm only a year and a half up and running. So I launched uh, with Super Value through the Food Academy. I kept it small because I am a mum of four, so we mm. do have to balance everything. So I'm currently in um, Kinsale, Carrigline, Glanmire and Tower uh, with Super Value. And obviously that can expand um, as I'm ready to do so. Super, super Value are just brilliant at supporting local products like that. They oh, really fantastic. are. Yeah, fantastic altogether, and it was a great opportunity. And this year, um, it even got better in that um, I was one of the finalists with the Grow It Aldi program. Uh, so I, 130 people applied, and 25 food producers were picked. And I launched nationwide with Aldi on the 25th of May this year. Excellent! Congratulations. That's fantastic yeah. to hear, Catherine. Thank best you. of best of luck with it. Uh, That is Catherine Good of the Good Dairy Company, Cork's first farmhouse ice cream. You wouldn't have thought it, would you? Thanks, Catherine. Good luck with that. Good luck with everything. 0818969696. Yeah, um, on lawnmowers in France. I didn't know this. In France, it's illegal to mow the lawn on a Sunday because of the noise. We have to respect that Sunday's a day of rest. No, it is not, as you said, a mad idea. It is called respect. And yes, you would be fined if someone reported you. No, it just strikes me as a day when, for a lot of people, Sunday is a grand opportunity to cut the grass. For me, it was perfect yesterday. Saturday was a little bit busy. I had a lot to do. Sunday, I had a bit of time. I cut my grass. I'd hate to think it was illegal on a Sunday, but it is. I was in Castle Marcher on Saturday. That traffic you're talking about decided to go the back road to Mogili. Totally blocked off. Had to go back and join the queue of traffic. Flagged down a few cars to let them know it was all closed off. One sign said the road was closed, but didn't say the Mogili Road. It was all a disaster. Mogili. That might have been... Was that the reason? Mogili. The friend of my wife's hates Mogili with a passion. He can't explain why. He just does. (laughs) 
<laughs> right, that's it. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Welcome back, my friend. And we'll talk to you tomorrow, just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.